It's Locked on Giants Live. Trainer, Tana, dog. Next. You are Locked on Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. This episode of the Locked on Giants podcast is brought to you by Price Picks. Go to pricepicks.com slash locked on NFL and use the promo code locked on NFL for a first deposit match up to $100. That's pricepicks.com slash locked on NFL for a first deposit match up to $100. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Locked on Giants live. Trina, Tana, and Dog, the A-team. And actually, actually... I don't know if I belong in this trio anymore because these two guys here, they're celebrities, man. They had Carl Banks on their show. I mean, they're coming up. And I don't know if I belong in the same podcast with these guys. but Absolutely. We, I still don't know if I belong in the podcast with you guys, honestly. But absolutely. I mean, congratulations, guys. You did a bang-up job. I love the, the show. I am so happy to see you guys getting the uh, the rewards that you so rightfully deserve, that you work hard for. And uh, just, you know, being sentimental that I can be, um, I'm proud of you guys. I really am. I'm proud to call you guys friends. Thank I'm you. proud that we are able to talk about the Giants. And, Absolutely. You know, we we, we support each other. And, and God knows we've got a lot of supporting to do today because, yeah. man, oh, my goodness. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, no, God. no. Uh, thank you for the kind words. It was, I mean, listen, I he came on my channel once before. And, and listen, he's a busy guy. And um, it was only for about a half hour. He spent an hour and a half on there yeah. talking football with us. And I didn't expect that. I told Bad Dog ahead of time, we got to be prepared. Let's get the questions ready. He's a busy guy. I thought it'd be a half hour, 40 minutes max. And I just think he enjoyed talking to us so much that we just kept talking football. And then and then he, I think he realized it's like an hour and a half. Okay, I got to go. He, he wrapped yeah. the show up. But it was, uh, it was an absolute blast. And, uh, it, yeah, it was an honor to get to do it with Bad Dog. We've been doing our show for uh, six, six years, years now. And uh, that was by far, uh, you know, at least I think from our end, I don't know about our, our audience, but on our end, by far, most anticipated show we've ever done. Yeah, that uh, that was something special for me, you know, growing up in the 80s and remembering how great Carl Banks was. I started watching the Giants the year he was drafted in 1984. And, you know, I, I tell a story about how I got him on. I was just kind of half joking when I said, you know, I watched a WFN interview again and I, I was like, now, you know, the disrespect was appalling. And I said, you know, I added him and I said, anytime you want to, you know, join me and entertain on our show, you're more than welcome. We won't hang up on you. And then I noticed like an hour later, the impressions on it went up a lot. Like a lot of people saw it. And I'm like, what happened? And I noticed he retweeted it and he said, let's, you know, let's do it. And then I saw my DMs. I'm like, oh my God. I, so I, I uh, texted Chris. I was like, look at this. <laughs> And, um, yeah, you know, I figured 20 minutes, half an hour, but he did, he was there for a good hour and a half. And I just enjoyed listening to his perspective on everything. I mean, I saw comments and the chat that made me laugh, like bad dog. I'd never seen this so quiet. I'm like, listen, when you have a guy like Carl Banks, you just sit back and let him educate you. He knows yeah. more football or forgotten more football than I'll ever know in my life. But to be able to listen to his perspective from working inside the organization, from being a player to working with the mayors and understanding a lot of things that fans don't, you know, I just wanted to give him as much time to, you know, talk and, and let us know what was going on. And, you know, I think the fans really enjoyed it too. Cause I saw it all over Twitter. I saw a lot of guys like that was awesome. We loved it. So 
I'm glad that the, the people that watched Chris and I really enjoyed it. And uh, I know we did too. So that was that, that pretty awesome. Just absolutely awesome. And you guys are learn. you know, you guys, you know, you've always been good, but to learn to prepare for a big interview like that, you know, so many times media, you know, and I'm not mentioning any names or anything like that. And this isn't really meant to be a critique, but a lot of times when you have a big guest coming on, if you don't have a script of questions, a direction in which you want to go, I mean, that's when you get the really good interviews. When you go off the rails and you just shoot from the hip, chances are the interview is not going to be as good as it could be if you do a little bit of planning. You know, spoke you know, speaking from someone who who's right. done this for, for over 30 years now and who has a big guest coming on the podcast in a couple of weeks, by the way. Well, you got say, no, but it's oh, a giant okay. legend, dog. You're going to love this. LT. It's not going to be a live show, but anyway, folks. We that must be Lawrence Taylor. You can't give him a live mic. <laughs> I don't think, you, you know, once I, I came close to getting Lawrence Taylor on the show, and if I had gotten him, I would have gone live. I would have invited you guys to come on, too. That would be awesome. But, but, be but awesome. Uh, it never worked out. I was kind of disappointed because, you know, we, we had a date set and everything, and I don't know what happened. but Oh, it'll happen. Uh, Actually. Yeah, LT, you know how LT could be. I mean, busy guy doing whatever, you know, golf busy. is calling or whatever. Yeah. It's all good. It's all good. I got some other legends coming on the show. That's though. Awesome. There's a lot of Giants legends. The one thing I'll say, it's funny because Chris and I got, normally when we do our show, it literally is just, we kind of know what we're going to talk about. We just kind of go, we'll get in here like a minute before we go live. We were actually both in there maybe 10, 15 minutes. They we were like, okay, let's prepare. We got to prepare for something here. We got to at least ask him a couple questions and it did. It just kind of flowed the way it went. Yeah. And, and um, we only had Patty. We only had maybe four questions before that we wanted to talk about, and it, it just it became like just a natural conversation. Like I didn't yeah. intend to talk. I didn't intend to talk about John Mar at all. We talked about John Mar for ten. That's minutes. how it starts. That's um, exactly how it starts. You start off with a a foundation, and then from there, you know, based on what the person says, you just go from there. And before you know it, if you do it right, you have a conversation, and pretty soon. It's like, oh, wow, we've been on the phone for an hour. We've been on the yeah. phone for an hour and a half. Cool. It yeah. just flies. So kudos to you guys. I'm proud of you. Um, bigger and better things, I'm sure, even more in your future. You know, this is a start. And you know what? I think you guys should be on, on that uh, radio station. Someone w said they want to put a petition out for us to be. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. We got current stuff to talk about. Yes. So, uh I got to go back to this to last week. I don't want to, but I've got to ask you guys, what is this team doing? You know, it's funny. I started writing notes for the next podcast that I do, the next, you know, tape podcast. And I have segments, advice that I would give to Brian Dable, not that Dable's going to listen to my advice, but and I have good. a segment also, what are they doing? And I look at some of the decisions this team has made of late, you know, with handling of injuries. I mean, now they've got two kickers on the roster. Yeah. You know, what is this team doing? I mean, you send out, uh, you know, let, let, actually, let's go back to the jet game because I mean, we, otherwise we could talk about this all night. You go back to the jet game, you have a compromised kicker. Now, some people said to me, well, Gno boomed two out of the three kickoffs into the end zone and he made a field goal earlier. But yeah, then his knees started to stiffen up and it became a problem. So, and and here's what I don't understand about last week. Kicking aside here, you said you were going to ride Saquon the entire, you know, for the second half. So in a critical fourth and one, 
you decide to kick a field goal and not keep the ball to the guy that you said you were going to ride the rest of the way? Could you explain this to me? <laughs> I, well, listen, I'm going to be honest. I After I had time to let it, then I think Carl agree with me. Bad dog sides with you. When I had time to let it digest, I understood why they went for the field goal. What I will say, now that it has come out that Graham Gano is so injured that they need a replacement kicker, it kind of hurts that side of the argument. Um, you know, after the game, I could only assume if Graham Gano suits up, he's good enough to make an extra point. But now it's coming out that they have to replace the guy. So my stance on it has changed a bit. If he wasn't healthy enough to go out there and kick that ball, yeah, they probably should have went for it. Uh, I could only assume as a fan that when they have him go out there for a crucial kick like that from 34 yards, he suited up before the game started. Like Carl said on the podcast, he booted two out of the end zone. I could only assume he's supposed to make an extra point. But the fact that now they have to replace the kicker makes it look worse. The way I went about this, and when we were doing a stream, I was saying that they should go for it on fourth and one. There was two reasons. We've had trouble with special teams all year. Gano had missed his last two field goals. Now, I know that he made an extra point, but he missed a field goal earlier in the game. He missed a field goal the week before against Washington. So he hadn't been himself anyway. And the weather was bad. We've already had a kick blocked this year. I'm like, so many bad things happen. You have a bad snap. I can miss the kick. You can get blocked, whatever. And even if he makes it, I know they only have 24 seconds. I get it. No timeouts. It's almost impossible for them to win. But they still would have a chance. It may be a snowball's chance in, in Hades, okay, but a chance. You run the ball, get the first down, game's over. Game's over. And if you don't get it, they get it at the 17 and not the 27. So I was an advocate of just, I think it's safer to run the ball than, than to kick it. Not because I didn't think Gano would make the kick, but because I thought so many things could go wrong in a day like that. And in essence, it, it did end up going wrong. But they did. They ran the ball the whole second half. The Jets could not stop him. To me, give the ball to your best player. If you can't get a yard of Saquon Barkley, then you don't deserve to win anyway. So I, I can't kill Dable for going for the field goal either. Like I, I understand both sides of it. Me personally, I want to be aggressive. I want to just go out. I want to run. The offensive line is blocking well. They run blocking very well in the second half. The Jets knew DeVito was not throwing the ball, and they could not stop him. So to me, I'm just like, line up, run the ball, see what happens. That, that was where I was yeah. at. I mean, I, I understand Dable's perspective. I, I mean, but, you know, when it came out before the game that he that Gano said he's going to need surgery, I said, oh, this can't be good. So they're basically working with a compromised kicker. And, yes, I get again, I get it. The guy has a game day uniform. You expect him to go out and do his job. I totally get it. But, see, the problem I had is, okay, you left the Jets with too much time on the clock. And, and like you said, dog, Anything that could have gone wrong would go wrong on that kick. And now you, you know, whereas if you had Saquon, even if Saquon didn't make fourth and one, have him run around a little bit, take some more time off the clock. Don't right. give the Jets so many opportunities to push down the field. I mean, that I I I I'm sorry. I disagree with Dable on that decision. I, I do understand his perspective, but again, if you're going with Saquon the whole ride there. And to back off of it, I mean, do you think Dable last year would have done this, you know, as, as aggressive as he was? Do you th Or do you think, you know, because the I, conditions I, I, or the I, offensive line or whatever the case may be, do you think maybe that played in? I think that situation, I it was 50-50. Even last year's Dable, I could have seen kicking it because there was reason to do it. If if you, like, if you miss the, if you, the way I look at it is, 
assuming that Cano wasn't compromised, which obviously now you have to assume that he was, there was a higher probability you were going to make an extra point than you were going to pick up a fourth down, especially being that they were two of 19 on third down throughout the game. That was my perspective on it. So I understood why he did it. The year before, Dable may or may not have, but what I will tell you is the year before, Dable would have went for it on fourth and one earlier in the game. When it was when it, I think it was a much further field goal that they ended up trying to kick. It was like 10, 15 yards deeper. He would have went for that one. And there was a fourth down instance uh, two weeks ago where it was fourth and about an inch last year's Dable would have went for that as well. So That's against Buffalo. Against Buffalo. So, like, to me, this one is kind of 50-50. It's one of those decisions where if, if Dable would have went for it and we didn't get it, which was probably 50-50, and we end up losing the game, everybody would have said, you passed up a gimme field goal. So for me, it was kind of a situation that if it didn't go his way with his decision, he was going to get ridiculed no matter what. I understood it, but I think he would have went for it the first time around, for sure, last year. The one thing I can say is this. No matter which choice he made, but the way this year has gone, it was going to be the wrong one. <laughs> yeah. Just put it that yeah. way. Yeah. And, and the other thing is, I can't kill him for going for it because the defense had shut them down all day. Who would have thought right. they'd give a back-to-back 29-yard uh, you know, passes and of course, you know, it was an illegal spot, the center spot of the ball. I don't know how that happens. I don't know. There's no way they should have been able to line up. I also was pretty mad at Adoree Jackson for letting the guy up. He like got right off him. I mean, lay on him, lay on him and make him win. That's what they did to Saquon and Buffalo. They laid all over him when we were on the goal line. Lay on him, lay yeah. on him until he, then, you know, take a couple seconds. You gotta, you gotta be smarter about these things, especially when you're a two and six team. The, the, the aggravating thing is, and I think the fan base can attest this. Now, some fans don't care. They, they want to – I listen, I'm not going to get on somebody for wanting a quarterback and wanting to – I'm not going to tell somebody how to root for the team. I never do that. But I think most fans would have a much different outlook if we were 4-4 and four, and we are literally two yards away from being 4-4. Oh, four four. If you're 4-4 yeah. four four against the Packers and the Raiders and the Saints and the Patriots – you're saying they're going, we can win nine games. We can win right there. We can yep, win nine exactly. games. Those and now at two and six, is like you still could, but you can't have any slip-ups whatsoever. So yeah. it's frustrating. It's been a frustrating yeah. year. And to Fabian's point, yes, I agree. In normal circumstances, you go for the points because, you know, look, I'm old enough to remember the fumble, right? So I agree with you, Fabian, but when you have a compromised kicker, that – you know, it's it's like a 50-50 toss-up. And for me, I me personally, I would have taken time off the clock and I would have run the risk with with um Saquon picking up the yeah, one yard. No, I, I, I agree. Now me. that now that we have found out he's legitimately compromised, yeah, yeah. I agree. I would have went well, for it in I that mean, situation. That now maybe Dable in that game. point didn't know how compromised he was. So. Uh, some of us knew before the game. Yeah, well, I know uh, that reports came out that he was gonna need surgery, but Maybe he didn't know that he was going to need to be replaced the following week. He maybe didn't know it was that bad. Um, but, hey, I, I, I think now it looks worse, the fact yeah. that you had to replace him the next week. The one thing I'll say, Fabian, is, that, yeah, you, you t- like, if they get, if it's seven minutes to go in the fourth quarter, I agree with you. But knowing that one, if you get a yard, the game's over. Points or no points, you you win. If Barkley gets that yard and you convert, you win. You kneel the you kneel the. He just that's it. Game's over. Clock runs. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's over. So that's why I in that situation the points weren't really important. The clock was important. So right for me, like I said, if they missed it, which they did, the the ball is spotted from where he kicks it. 
So they got at the 34 as opposed to the 17, or what I'm sorry, they got at the 24 as opposed to the 17. So, I mean, seven yards may not seem a lot, but it, it, it's a lot. Seven yards is a big difference. Yeah. Um, and I just feel like, to me, it was a better chance of Barkley picking up that first down. That's just the way I thought. Right, I mean, what's, then, what's done I is can't done. Kill Dable either way. What's done is done. All right, let's move off that game. Let's talk about the trade deadline, the trade activity. Leo to the Seahawks. They get a second, an extra second round pick next year, and mm-hmm. then a fifth rounder in 2025. So that's mm-hmm. actually a little bit more than what they gave up to get Leo. I think when they initially traded for Leo, they had to give up a third and a, and a conditional fifth. I think it was yep. turned into a fourth right. when they kept them. What yeah. what do you what did you guys think of what they did at the trade and what they didn't do at the trade? I I personally like the Leo deal. I think I, you know, I made no secret of the fact that I thought he was going to be the first guy they would move because yeah. they needed the salary cap space yeah. and. I thought Leo could maybe bring a, a nice little haul, and especially after, you know, Saquon came out and said it, Dable came out and said it, that they weren't going to move Saquon. I said, Leo's probably going to be the guy they move. I thought there might be a chance they move a Dory Jackson, but I'm not so sure if they got any kind of offers for him or, you know, what went down there. Basically, when his contract was restructured the Monday before, I kind of knew that wasn't going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I thought maybe they would try and move one of the receivers and get a conditional seventh or something like that. Mm. But what did you think of the, the trade activity, what they did and what they didn't do? I was stunned with what they got for Leonard Williams stunned. Like I, in a good way, I was, I, um, I didn't expect him to get that kind of value. And I understand that Joe Shane ate the money, but you look at what Washington got for Chase Young. Washington basically gave Chase Young away for free. I texted this to bed while I was at work. He would have been a pending free agent next year. And Chase Young was, he's going to get a high salary. We know that he's young, he's talented, he's 24. Washington more than likely would have received a third round compensation pick if they just rostered him for the rest of the year and let him go. They ended up getting a third round. It wasn't even a third round pick. It was a third round comp pick from the San Francisco 49ers for Chase Young. We end up getting a second round pick and a fifth round pick. I granted it's the year after for a guy that's approaching 30 who hasn't been the same player the last two years. Like, Joe Shane knocked it out of the park with that trade. Like you said, they got more than what they had to give up to get him five years earlier. So, uh, and I understand they they took on some of the salary, but at this point in the game, what do we really care as fans about the salary cap, whether it be for the remainder of this year or maybe if it slightly impacts it next year? If we're a team that's looking at rebuild and we may potentially be drafting a quarterback, does it really matter if you have an extra 5 or $6 million in cap if you have a rookie quarterback next year? Give me the premium draft capital. So, I, I thought it was a slam dunk trade. Uh, in terms of the other guys not being traded, I can't say I was surprised because let's be honest, there probably wasn't much of a market for a Dory Jackson. There probably wasn't much of a market for a guy like Paris Campbell. Would I have liked it? Sure. But if we're being honest, there probably wasn't much out there. So I'm not going to kill him for that. Barkley, they decided to stand pat. And I could, t- I could definitely see why, as I've talked about for the last few weeks, I definitely see value in bringing Barkley back next year. I'm trying to figure out what Washington was doing anywhere. Not not Washington, I'm sorry. The Bears. I'm trying to figure out what Bears, the yeah. Bears are doing. Giving up, a, the, right now, they'd be the 35th overall pick for Montez Sweat, who's also a free agent, if I'm not mistaken. Or did he just sign the deal? He's a free agent, right? I think he's a free agent, yeah. Well, that I couldn't figure out. I'm like, what is Chicago? Chicago's not going anywhere. Like, that, like, what's going on? The Chase Young thing, I'm like, what is Washington doing? As far as us, yeah, I love the Leo deal. Because we talked about this last week, maybe, Patty, where, you know, he kind of reminded me of Snacks Harrison, where he was a 30-year-old guy. He, he played really well. He's making a lot of money. We got a fifth-round pick. And I'm like, if we get a fifth-rounder for Leo, we get an extra draft. 
to get a second round pick mm. for Leonard Williams. Because if he walks, we probably get a fifth round compensatory pick. Maybe so we ended up getting a lot more than that. Yep. Maybe a fourth, but we got a lot more for Leonard Williams than I could have ever. When I saw him, like, is that right? A second round pick for Leonard Williams? That's pretty damn good because now you have two second round picks. And if you want to trade back up into the first, you want to do something else. There's a lot of more moves he can make. We only had six draft picks going into the year. The Leonard Williams deal, there's no way. Uh, I, I think the you know most optimistic Giants fan would have thought we'd get a second rounder and a fifth rounder for, for Leo. And I'm happy for Leo. You know, it came out, he said, I'm happy to be on a winning team. And, uh, you know, people kind of bashed him. Like, what do you want him to say? He is on a winning team. I'd much rather be there right now than the Giants. He wasn't knocking the Giants, but he's on a winning team now. Yeah. Um, Adore Jackson, a lot of money, injured, not playing really well. Probably wasn't a market for him. Barkley, I didn't really know if he was going to hang around or not. I wasn't really sure how that was going to work out. And um, I thought maybe McKinney would be moved. Like, that was the guy. And, listen, I like Xavier McKinney. I mean, I, you know, I bought his jersey. I don't buy many jerseys. But uh, he's had a lot to say this year. He hasn't really played very well. He hasn't made an impact. I really – you know, the Giants didn't make him an offer in the offseason – and I think there's a good possibility he walks because, like Chris mentioned before, a top safety is going to make $16, $18, 19000000 million. And I, I don't think the Giants want to pour that much money into that position when they got a guy like Dane Belton. They got a Pinnock back there. They could probably just draft another safety. So I thought McKinney might have value. I thought they may be able to get a third or a fourth round pick for him. So that was probably my biggest prize that, you know, there was no inquiries. There was nothing about Xavier McKinney getting moved. They well, might be moves. able to flip. They might be able to let him walk and get a third round comp. Yeah, you let him walk. You, you know, now yeah. you're you're building up for the, the the following year. You you get a comp pick for him. And right to your back. point, dog, I would not be surprised if Xavier walks at the end of the year because I yeah. do sense a little, you know, frustration. Being a dis- yeah, frustra- frustration, being a little disgruntled. I mean, he's a great guy. I've I speak to him, you know, whenever I see him. You know, I saw him the other day in the locker room, and he's like. Where have you been? I haven't seen you in a couple of weeks. And I'm like, I'm here now, you know? So, so we always chit chat and everything like right that. Back. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But, yep. But, uh, but yeah, I, I do sense frustration on McKinney's things, but you know, I understand why the giants didn't do anything with him. They really weren't going to save any money by, by redoing his, his cap number. If anything, yeah. they were going to increase the number. So, I said it at the beginning of the year and, you know, players, they don't want to hear about that. They, they, they just don't, they, they, they talk about, Oh, I understand it's a business decision. They really, you know, I, I don't think a lot of them truly understand the, the, the fallout of the business, you know, aspect of it. And in this case, the giants would not have saved if they had done McKinney's contract, but, you know, I understand, you know, he sees Dexter getting a new deal. He sees Andrew Thomas getting a new deal. He sees Daniel Jones getting a new deal. Um, Gano gets a new deal. And, and it's like, well, what about me? What am I chopped liver? And it's like, well, Saquon didn't exactly get a new deal. And yeah. oh, by the way, Saquon, you know, if you had asked me at the beginning of the year, should Saquon get another deal? I would have probably said no. I think he does get another deal from this team. And I don't think it's going to be a blockbuster because the mm-hmm. injury kind of um, – I think maybe took a little of the market value out, but look at how valuable this guy has been to this. Yeah. Offense. Yeah. yeah. I, I've said it now for like, th- I, I was kind of what, you know, I could understand if they trade him, but it better be for the right offer. I'm not giving him away for nothing. Cause I think a lot of people dismissed what his value could be going forward for this football team, because they just write him up as a running back and he's getting older. And I agree with you. I don't think it'll be a blockbuster 
I think it'll be a deal where it's probably a two-year commitment, something along those lines, something that I thought they were going to try to do this offseason. Maybe they do that this, you know, this upcoming offseason because there is value there. It, 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 whether Jones comes back or whether he doesn't as the starter, you need to help out your rookie quarterback. And uh, if you get if you take Saquon Barkley off this roster, we all saw with Darren Waller, he's injury prone. He got hurt again. What are you leaving this kid with if you draft a rookie quarterback? So whether they stick with Jones or whether they don't, I think Saquon Barkley makes sense for the New York Giants to retain. Boy, you're convinced they're going to draft another quarterback. I think they no, have. No, no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. Actually, I'm slightly leaning we're not going to draft another quarterback. Well, right I think now. they have to. I mean, because Tyrod Taylor, I don't know if he's back next year. Oh, yeah. I when mean, I say quarterback, Patty, by the way, I mean starter. You mean I mean, okay. Yeah, I mean okay. like a first-round pick. Um, Fourth-round pick, d- definitely. I don't know what they're going to do with the quarterback, but at least I am open to the fact that it's a rising possibility. Right now we're picking fourth in the draft, so I have to see how the rest of the year plays out. But I definitely see an avenue with the way that this defense is playing that the Giants could win seven games, be picking 13 or 14, and continue to build this roster. At the end of the day, they're still contractually obligated to Daniel Jones. So I think the way that Jones plays over these last nine games is going to have a lot of say in terms of which way they go, um, you know, with their first round pick. Yeah. But you know, this thing with, with Jones and, you know, Oh, you've got to keep them. You've got to start them next year because of the money. No, don't forget. Don't forget. You know, when Jones was a rookie, Eli was making what? 19 million. No, no, I agree with you. I, I, if Jones, if Jones puts the team in a position to draft the quarterback, they're going to draft the quarterback. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely Jones to take it to not put them in that position. But now here, here's the question though. Do they have a good enough foundation moving forward? You know, we look at the offensive line, we look at the issues they've had. Now we can agree that Andrew Thomas is, is solid. John Michael Schmitz is solid. You know, are they going to necessarily have Justin Pugh back next year? I don't know if Pugh comes back or if he decides to retire. You know, what do they do with Evan Neal? And then it, assuming they kick Evan Neal into right guard, who's the new tackle? So the offensive line to me is still a question mark. It's a mess. It's it's an absolute mess. And in an ideal world, Patty, for me, I if I'm Shane, ideally, the Giants win seven games. I pick 13th, 14th. I don't feel the pressures to have to take a rookie quarterback. I continue to build my roster for another year. And Jones acts as a stopgap that maybe could turn into something. Ideally, uh, for Shane, in my opinion, that's the ideal situation. But if the Giants are put in a spot where they pick a top three, that's another. You know, you're kind of you're it kind of forces your hand. I don't know about that. I mean, well, well, let me ask you, Patty. Let me ask you. Put your put yourselves in the. I'm, I want to get your perspective on this. Okay. Put yourself in the mind of Joe Shane. I'll try. We could all agree that going in, and, and obviously we're going to do a lot more work and research on these quarterbacks before the year ends. But it, this is thought to be a pretty rich quarterback draft class from the outside looking in right now, right? We could agree with that? Yes. yes. If you're Joe Shane, Patty, and you're picking third in a rich quarterback draft class, what gives you more job security? For me, it's drafting the quarterback because then there's no expectations the following year. None. Team can win right. three games. Joe Shane's completely safe. Right. If you bypass taking one of those upper echelon quarterbacks, Drake May, you name it, one of these guys, that guy starts to play well like C.J. Stroud's playing now. Daniel Jones gets hurt again. The team wins five or six games. Joe Shane's out of a job. Yeah. So for me, if we're picking that high, I'd be stunned if we don't take a quarterback unless we yeah, trade out of the you. pick. 
I'm with you on that. And don't forget, they did set up Jones's contract where they can get out of it next year. Right. So, so that yeah. tells you right there that while they're kind of confident that he's the guy moving forward, they're not a hundred percent confident to where they're going to give him, or or they were going to give him a Burrow type contract or a Herbert or a Mahomes type of deal. Hurts, yes. right? The thing or is, Hertz, just yeah. like, we've talked about this before, and I've mentioned this. If you're picking second. And one of those guys is there. Yeah, you absolutely take him. Because Daniel Jones is back here no matter what next year. So the rookie's not starting. Now, I know in New York, if we get off to an 0-5 starting, put the rookie in. Put, I, I get that. That that may happen. Daniel Jones ain't going anywhere. So you wouldn't, in essence, have 2024. You, you're going to know. End of the year, <clears throat> you know who you're taking. You're, you're picking second. You're saying, we're either taking this guy or, you know, if he's gone, if they take him first, we're taking whoever. Just I'm just going to – we're going to take Caleb Williams or – Michael Penix, just say they're my two favorites. So you're going to take one or the other. So they're going to start to look around, okay, who can we get? Who else can we draft to build around this guy's skill set? In 2024, you're already starting to build around your rookie quarterback. Even though it's going to be Jones's team, you have that year, that offseason to build around the guy you think is going to be your future quarterback, and then you have the next year to do the same thing. So in essence, you're going to have two years to build around a rookie quarterback and it wouldn't really be until 2025 where Joe Shane is kind of hitched his star to the rookie. So he's going to get at least two or three years after that. Although it didn't work for Pat Shermer, let's say that. It did not work for Pat Shermer because they took Daniel Jones and he was gone the next year. So it, it didn't work for him. But I still think you definitely have more job security if that's the case where you're drafting top three. And the reason you'd be drafting top three is because your quarterback didn't play well or he was hurt or whatever the reason yeah. is. There's a reason you're that high in the draft. You're not a good team. And the most important position is the quarterback. So I will be surprised if they're picking top three that they don't take one. I, I can tell you that. Yeah. Let me float I, this one. Let me float this scenario out here. And, and I, I know this is way down the line, but I'm going to float this one out at you because people have asked me about the salary cap and and you know the ramifications if the Giants take a rookie quarterback, you know, would they carry Daniel Jones? If have to, and again, I can't stress this enough. If the Giants do draft a rookie quarterback high next year, we could probably assume we're going to see kind of like a, another Kurt Warner, Eli Manning type of situation where 100%. Daniel yeah. holds down the fort until yep. the rookie's ready. Could you then potentially see? Because we've seen how quarterbacks have gotten injured in this year. You figure it's going to happen again. Could you maybe see the Giants looking to move Daniel Jones at the trade deadline? Well, I think, I, yeah, Patty. He's ready and, and, and comes in and plays well. Absolutely. Yeah. If, if I think in an ideal, that. that's the ideal scenario if you end up drafting a quarterback. I, I, I mean, obviously, if you pick 14, 15, that's good for Joe, too, because you keep your job security. You still didn't get your guy. Jones could still sink or swim. You keep building the team. But if you're picking third, I think the ideal scenario for you if you're Joe Shane is you get to take your quarterback, you start Daniel Jones behind that ragtag offensive line, and if the team surprises against a softer schedule like they did two years ago and they make the playoffs and they contend all year, let the let the rookie ride the pine. And at year's end, suddenly Daniel Jones has trade value because we can we look around the NFL right now. Look at all the horrible quarterbacks. Every time I watch a Monday Night Football game, the quarterbacks are awful. So if Daniel Jones has a year like he did in 2022 uh, next year, if you end up in this hypothetical scenario, suddenly he's got trade value. So right. I think that's a perfect a perfect scenario 
if you end up drafting the rookie and the Giants play relatively well, you end up being able to trade Dan- Daniel Jones and get pretty valuable draft compensation. Yep. Yeah. Person. Yep. I mean, again, that's that's a, a wild scenario. I get it. There's a lot. That I don't think it's that wild between now and then, but it's something to consider. And I could see, you know, if the Giants wanted to get out of that contract a little bit earlier, that would be one way to do it. But you know, look. That being said, I'm I still hope for the best for Daniel Jones. I'm concerned about the neck issue. Yeah. You know, he's been cleared to return and he's going to start this weekend against the Raiders. But I am but I- still concerned about that because this is two neck issues in his in three years. Yeah. And I, you know, look, this is me speaking as a human being about another human being. He takes another hit. And it has another neck issue. I think if you're him, you got to really rethink what you're doing here. Yeah, David Wilson, his career, you know, very early a uh, neck injury. And, you know, you put it, Patty, on Twitter. You said uh, he's not going to wear anything around his neck, you know, to protect it. And I said, my concern is he's going to be having a defensive end around his neck by the name of Max Crosby. Now, that guy, nobody knows who he is because he plays for Vegas. Well, I mean, dire football fans, but the casual football fans never heard of Max Crosby. That man is an animal. I mean, he's a beast. Uh, he scares me. And, oh, yeah. I mean, it's not just Max Crosby. The, the line's still not good. Let's not act like, you know, oh, they looked a little bit better with Tyrod Taylor in there. Tyrod Taylor down with broken ribs. The line still stinks. It's not. And now you got a guy back there that's just coming off a neck injury. Patty, what I did want to ask you, can do we know? exactly what the doctors were looking for to clear him. That was the most frustrating. Okay, you don't want to tell us what's wrong with this. Fine. What did they see like that morning? Go, okay, you're good to go now. Do you from have- what I understand, and, and the details are sketchy, but from yeah. what I understand, it was a disc issue. Okay. Now, for, you, for those who don't know, I too have been treated for a neck issue. I have a disc that's slightly... Bulge. Now, mine wasn't a result of of necessarily getting hit. It was just one of those things. So when the neck, when the disc bulges a little bit, it it can press on a nerve, and that can send you know the numbness and the pain down the arm. In yep. my case, it was you know going down my left arm. So in talking with my physical therapist, and again, she hasn't treated Daniel Jones. She's just treating me. But we were talking about this. I said, what exactly were they looking for? She said there's a baseline that you, you know, that you want to be able to move your neck this way, this way, you know, to the left, to the right. You want to move it down. You want to be able to move your head up. And if you don't reach that baseline, and, and this is apparently one of the things they test or, or they, when you go through your training camp physical, your training camp physical is very comprehensive. So they establish baselines, which they measure. So if you have a neck injury, okay. Your, your neck injury, you know, you can only turn your neck this way, you know, so much to the left before, you know, the start of camp. And now all of a sudden you can't even turn it, you know. And for those of you who are listening on on, on uh, the audio platforms, it's hard to explain. But they're, they're looking for range of motion. Obviously, you know, any inflammation in the area, they wanted to get that down from what I understand. Now, they never said exactly what the problem was. You know, I again, I had heard it was a disc matter that maybe the disc was kind of protruding a little bit, but I never got confirmation on that. Daniel was very tight lipped about it. He said it was not the same injury for which he had a procedure two years ago. I don't know what he had two years ago, but he, he definitely had the procedure because we all saw the telltale scar. So, you know, 
what he has, apparently he was able to turn his neck. Apparently any inflammation in the area is down and they feel comfortable with him moving forward. So I just hope nothing pops up again because with the neck, you know, look, for two weeks, I didn't have any pain with my neck thing. And then the other day in the press box, I went to look up at the monitor. I went like this and I was like, oh, ouch. I felt it again. Mm-hmm. So necks are tricky. They are as tricky as hamstrings. I hope, I hope for Daniel's sake, human to human, that he's okay and he doesn't have to deal with wow. this anymore. But I worry because, you know, the pass protection is leaky. This is a violent game. And I just don't know. And, and plus, you see how Daniel throws his body around out there? Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's a recipe for a disaster, in my opinion. That makes yeah. sense. I, I, especially in a throwaway year where it's two and six. If we were six and two or four and four even, I would get it. But I don't know, man. I just I – mean, I'm not in his shoes, so I don't know what his neck feels like. But I've, I've seen how many hits this guy's taken this year, and I can't imagine any hits. Good for, it's got to be like being in a car crash. I mean, that's what – Linemen always well, say yeah. linemen are right back. next to each other banging each other. It's like a car crash. You good point. You know, you go back and you look at the play in which he got he got yeah, sacked. His neck went- it was whiplash. It was like whiplash. And yeah. I've had whiplash. You know, back when I was in my twenties, I got rear-ended. I'll never forget. I got rear-ended and I went boom, boom, and, and I ended up with a minor concussion, as well as a neck issue, which I still say to this day is 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 b- bothers me. You know, because I cannot lean my head back all the way. It's better than what it was, but, you know, you whiplash know, can, can you know, mess you up a little bit. So, you know, I just hope Daniel, you know, I'm sure the doctors are, are doing right by him, but I do worry about him as a person. You know, he's only 26. You'd like to see him have a good quality of life after he's done playing. And I just, you know, it, it's concerning. So if, if that makes me horrible for saying that, then I'll take it. You know, I don't, because, I don't, I don't know how that makes you horrible. I mean, you're just well, some people are like, oh, you know, oh, you're too soft, blah blah blah. I'm sorry, human to human. I don't want to see any player get hurt, anyone. Yeah. But yeah. it happens in this game. I get that. But you want to be able to see these guys be able to walk away and have you know decent quality of life afterwards. Exactly. So you know, just my take on that, and and. Uh, you just hope for the best for him. You hope that they protect him a little bit better. Now, Daniel, to your point, what you said earlier, dog, Daniel said he probably will not wear something to protect his neck unless the trainers recommend it. Right. So, you know, now, I, as far as I know, I don't think that is in the cards because, you know, look, is he going to wear one of those collars like with the offensive linemen wear? I don't think that's going to work, you know? So, but then again, look, if they're getting Andrew Thomas back, which, by the way, I feel good about Andrew Thomas being back this week. That's that good. should help. Yeah, that, that should definitely help. help. You know, to put Thomas and Pew on that left side, you would think that would help with the blind side. And now all you got to worry about is the right side. Maybe that'll help him out too, because Glowinski's been great the last two weeks. Yep. You know, and Evan Neal looks like he's going to be back. So you know, there's a lot of optimism there. Really, the concern for me, if if I'm being honest with you, this is going to sound weird, but not having Waller in there. Now, Waller, we know, is not really a blocker. Bellinger has been doing a lot of the blocking. So now you figure they're going to bring up Cager to the roster because, you know, there's no way they're going into this game with just one tight end. 
Right. Cager's not really a good blocker. So are they going to have to use the jumbo guy to do a lot of the blocking, to, you know, the help blocking? And if they do, that's a dead giveaway as to what they might be doing. So yeah. that Waller injury, you know, we, we haven't really talked about that. That's a big one. Oh, yeah, it changes the whole offense. Well, not really because the offense has been pitiful, but um, not having Darren Waller in there certainly hurts the offense. Of course, it makes it even more predictable than it already is. Um, And I agree with you. I expect a ton of 12 personnel this week Uh, with our offensive line with Waller out. um, Unfortunately, fans will be crying again that we're not taking shots down the field because I think that's their best chance is to play. Not obviously not to the extent of which we did last week where we didn't throw it all. But to play run a run heavy offense, I think that's going to be the approach. Yeah, I think so sense. too. I no. still want to see him throw deep. I want to see no. it early, early. No. Just no. throw it. I don't care if you're even trying to complete it. Just throw it fifty yards that's out of bounds. Here, the guy, please just no. just make them think about it. That just make them oh shoot, like he's he threw deep. Well, we got we better be aware of that because you do that early. I think it puts it in the back of a defense's mind that, you know, we got to be aware of that because yeah. maybe that's what they're going to do. I don't think the Raiders would be expecting that at all. Maybe you, maybe you hit somebody right away. Maybe you hit a Darius Slayton 40 yards down the field and you're off and running because that opens everything. That opens up Saquon Barkley. That opens up the slants underneath. You know, Cager isn't a great blocker, but he can catch the ball. Bellinger can catch the ball. So they're not there on Waller, but we saw Daniel Bellinger last year before he got hurt. He was a, pretty good pass catcher and a good weapon inside the 10 for us last year. So they're serviceable guys, yeah. but if you're predictable and these guys are playing eight yards from the line of scrimmage, number one, they're right up there to stop Saquon Barkley. Number two, like, well, he ain't testing us deep. We ain't got to worry about that. We're just going to keep everything in front. They're going to throw everything in front of us. Just make the tackle. So again, I'm not saying go back and have Daniel Jones throw 45 times and throw 15 deep balls, but I would like to see him throw a couple down. Yeah, the field. I agree with that. I agree. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Yeah. And that's actually one of the things I've been screaming about for the last, I don't know how many weeks. It's like, they're too conservative. You know, they talk about wanting to start faster. Well, take a deep shot early. Give the defense something to think about because maybe that's the ticket you need to get off to a faster start. Right. What do you got to lose? You know, give them something to think about. And I just yeah. don't, understand why they it's almost like they've crawled into this conservative shell is it because of the injuries is it because they don't have confidence in in what they've got i don't know the answer to it but i do know that you know overall with the play calling this year i can't say i've been sitting there going wow that was a great play calling job by kafka yeah Yeah. so i don't know what, what, what it is you know what's interesting patty when we were talking to carl banks I thought the most interesting thing we were talking about Tyrod Taylor and Daniel Jones, and I wouldn't know this. He said that there was a different like game plan for both of those. That Tyrod Taylor is a one-two go. It's like a two-read and go, and Daniel Jones is a one-two-three and go. And he said that could that could be messing him up because he may be thinking about too much. And again, there's no time to throw. So if you're looking at two reads, you're you're going to get rid of the ball much quicker than if you're th- looking at a third. So maybe that's what's making him hesitant. I don't know. So, you know, he maybe he didn't mention it. Ma- it makes sense because I, I think they went into the year saying we want to expand, rightfully so, Daniel Jones's game. Yep. We want to see what he could become. 
that was predicated on the fact that they thought Evan Neal would get better and they could have more faith in this offensive line. So I think they came out trying to do that, trying to create more big plays, scan the field more, open it up like when you watch Josh Allen play and quarterbacks like that. But I think because of the awful offensive line, it didn't work and they don't have time to operate that way. So I think they got to get back to what they did with Jones last year. One, two, go like they did with Tyrod Taylor, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. And we talked, we, we did it. Well, actually coach Gene did an article on the differences between Daniel Jones and Tyrod Taylor for the deep game. So if you guys want to check that out, it should be up on the, on the main art, the main board over on giants country, pretty good um, analysis and breakdown by coach Gene. Sounds like, you know, what Carl was saying, you know, so, which, you know, Carl, no arguments here. I mean, when, when Carl speaks, I listen. Yeah, he told Kayvon, play the nine technique. And he said, they want to play six. He said, you play the nine. Play the nine. <laughs> Look at what happened. By the way, yeah, Carl, I've never seen Carl that interview. I liked our article that we did on, on, on Kayvon. Yeah. I was surprised. Last week, I, I saw him, you know, at first I thought he was like, not happy with the article after reading it. And he, and he was, you know, it turns out that he, I guess he liked it. And I was like, Oh, wow. Cool. Yeah. You know, so always, always, you know, if did if you talk about his disagreeing with you, you know, you did something right. Did you talk about his body at all or no <laughs> body? That was the thing on WFAN. They're talking about it. He had a weird body. You know, like, what, are, what are you guys talking about? And now they doubled down on it. You see what, what's his name said? The other, the morning show host, he was you know, making fun of Carl. I again. saw that, you know. Yeah, was, I, I retweeted that. I'm like, you guys suck. Let it go. Let it know, go. Here's, here's the thing, guys. You know, I'm not defending them because I, I, I'm like, yeah, let it go. But I think it was the late Dale Earnhardt who used to say that if they're not talking about you, then you're, then, you know, you're irrelevant mm-hmm. and that there's no such thing as bad publicity. Yeah. That being said, there is such a thing as, you know, being a, a gracious winner and a gracious loser. And for these guys to double down and to say that Carl Banks was boring or, you know, Carl Banks doesn't know what he's talking about. I'm sorry, guys. Carl Banks forgot more football than all of us probably know. And I was that bad of a segment. Why is he there for 20 years if it's that bad of a segment? You know, I, I 20 just. 20 years? I mean, come years. on. I mean, and, and to say he's boring and, and and kudos to Carl, by the way, for handling this with class. It's all he knows. Because, you know, if that, I think if that had been anybody else, they would have been in a war of words with these guys and it's just not worth it. So I tip my hat to Carl for how he handled it. Um, you know, good for him. He's like, okay, look, I don't need your 15 minute spot. Yeah. Carl gets a, a lot of airtime. He has his own podcast. You know, he makes the rounds. Calls the, the games. Programming. So good for him. I did tell him there's an open spot on our show. If you ever, he's more than welcome anytime. He's, yeah. <laughs> he's always an open spot on Carl Here. would be welcome on my show too. You know, he's yeah. on the Believe Network, so I don't know the odds of me getting him, but you know, he's always welcome on this show as well. I mean, I could I could sit and listen to him anytime I get a former player. It's like a treat for me, absolutely, because I come in and I have a list of questions and I try to ask you know intelligent questions. And a lot of times, you know, the que- the players are like, "Yeah, that's a good question. That's a good question." But yeah, it's it's just you know. That was a very unfortunate with 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 fan. I mean, you just don't hang up on a guest. It was weird. I I, I, I just I'm sorry. Strange. That's just it was just strange the way that it, it really was, you know. But hey, listen, what's done is done. 
good for Carl for, you know, holding his ground and, you know, WFAN, I, I haven't listened to them in, in years Me just neither. because I, I just don't have, I don't listen to the radio as much as I used to, you know, even on the drive, I just pl plug in my music and I listen to that. But uh, look, you know, if that's the direction they want to go in, then, then God bless them. You're I'm not right. I mean, Reggie Jackson said it best to me. They don't boo nobodies. You know, if, you, if they're booing you, it's because you're a somebody. Because they're not yeah. going to waste their energy on somebody that's a nobody. I, I mean, I understand you want attention, but you, you're you also supposed to be professional. Yeah. I don't need to be professional. I'm a YouTuber. Like This, this isn't my job. It's not my career. I, I'm just, I say it all the time. I'm, I'm an idiot with a camera and a microphone. This is what I am. <laughs> so if... I can do whatever I want here. This is my channel. I ain't got an answer to a boss. I'm not gonna. I don't have to worry about ratings. I don't have to worry about anything. I, I don't. I, I try to be professional, and there's definitely times I'm not. Don't get me wrong. And sometimes I'm just me. Um, but at the same time, I don't need to be that guy. Right. Now, obviously, no. though, if we got a guy like Carl Banks. I'm going to be as professional as I possibly can. I did a good job. I didn't fanboy for 90 minutes, Patty. Until he said he was getting ready to go, and then I just I had to be a fan for right. a second because, as I told a lot of the guys in the chat, because a lot of guys were like, you know, in Twitter the next day, I lived that eighty sixty. You know, I know exactly where your dad was coming from, man. Like if I, I felt that, or you know, I grew up in that era. I grew up in the seventies, man. Like I, I felt that, and that was it. I said I wanted to tell him because it's very, very rare that a fan actually gets to tell a player how much they meant to them and thank them for everything they did. So I didn't want to miss out on that opportunity. Obviously we would love to have Carl Banks back, but they may never happen again. So that, you know, if I had that one time opportunity to tell him not even so much for me, cause I was young, but for my dad, cause that meant yeah. so much to my father. I wanted to let him know that, you know, you, you guys meant a lot. And then sure. 1990 team was my favorite of all time. So he was definitely a big part of that as well. So, I totally, I, I totally get where you're coming from, dog. I mean, I feel the same way. So, no, no ex explanation necessary. All right, listen, guys, got to take a commercial break. When we come back, we're going to talk Raiders. All right, got a lot to yeah. talk about with the Giants Raiders. So, we're going to take a quick commercial break and we'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. Hey, Giant fans, if you're looking for a fun and different way to play fantasy football this season, you need to check out Prize Picks. Just pick two or more players, predict their stats, and sit back and see how they perform. It takes less than 60 seconds to make an entry. And best of all, you can turn a few bucks into some nice cash with the right projections. PrizePix is the number one daily fantasy sports app known for its quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and wide selection of players and stat types. And they offer weekly promotions that can lead to big payouts, such as Taco Tuesday, when each Tuesday, Price Picks discounts select player projections up to 25% to give you even more value. So what are you waiting for? Go to pricepicks.com slash LockedOnNFL and use the promo code LockedOnNFL for a first deposit match up to $100. That's pricepicks.com slash LockedOnNFL and that promo code is LockedOnNFL for your first deposit match up to $100. Price Picks daily fantasy sports made easy. Hey, Giant fans, football season is here and Locked On is kicking up our coverage with Locked On NFL Kickoff Live. Every Friday, Locked On will go live at 2 p.m. Eastern on every Locked On NFL YouTube channel. Hosts Tanitra Batiste, Jarvis Davis, and Kyle Krabs 
We'll break down every game on the NFL slate to get you ready for your team's matchup, your fantasy lineups, your betting angles, and much more. Plus, get the in-depth local analysis from our stable of NFL hosts across the country who know their teams better than anybody else. Find Locked On NFL Kickoff Live every Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern on any Locked On NFL YouTube channel. All right, everybody, welcome back to Locked On Giants Live. Train Tana and Dog. And guys, Las Vegas is up next. Do you know, I really, I would have loved to have gone to this game. My, my original plan, and I was saying this to my husband tonight at dinner, I said to him, you know, if I was married, I would have gone to L.A., would have watched a Kiss concert tomorrow night at the Hollywood Bowl, and then I would have swung back, done the game in Las Vegas, and then come home. And my husband looked at me and he goes, you're crazy. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> Las Vegas. Big Not crazy. That, that sounds like it would have been an awesome trip to me. I, I would have done it. But, yeah. you know, I got somebody upstairs who, you know, is like, you're crazy. You know, so. Yeah, true. Hey, listen, it's good to be loved. It's good to be appreciated and needed. But anyway, um, so the Las Vegas Raiders, a big upheaval uh, mm. this week. Antonio Pierce taking over as the interim head coach. Good for Antonio. I mean, one of the smartest players I have ever, ever covered. I mean, and just a natural leader. And I don't know how you guys feel about it. Yes, there's been a lot of upheaval. They changed the offensive coordinator to a guy who I don't think has ever called plays before. New quarterback. Does that scare you just a smidge? Or are you like, hey, listen, what are they going to change in the course of, you know, a couple of days coming off the short work week. This feels like a game where the Giants should absolutely be able to take advantage of all the turnover. But knowing the Giants, it usually means the complete opposite. So, yes, I'm pro- I'm terrified. <laughs> Every time you go into a game, be like, oh, everything's going in our favor. Everything's going our way. But but for the Giants, luck, it'll probably be the team feeds off of it, the change, momentum, um, and, the, and the Raiders will give their, their performance of the year. You know, that's just the Giants' luck. But, uh, yeah, I would say that that actually should be an edge for the Giants. The fact that you have a rookie quarterback in there going up against Wink Martindale, um, you know, a new head coach, a lot of turnover there. I'm actually surprised, to be honest with you. I know it's on the road, and I know the Giants stink. But getting Jones and Andrew Thomas back, I'm actually surprised the Giants are getting points in this game. Yeah, I am too because, you know, the last time he played a rookie was Sam Howell. Yeah. They well, I technically he's not a rookie, but his first full season, he played one game last year. They kicked his ass. I mean, let's just call it what it was. I mean, they they went out there and wrecked him. And it's not like they don't, it's not like he can't play when he has 13 touchdowns this year. He's he's had some I mean, he's had some downs, he's a rookie, but we shut them down. The only reason they even scored is because we muffed the punt. Otherwise, he probably would have got shut out. So they couldn't do anything that day. There's one match I've been worried about, and I know Deontay Banks has been great, but Devontae Adams can play. That guy is one of the best receivers in the league. He has been very vocal about how frustrated he is, um, and I can just see them just, you know, him telling his rookie, just throw it to me, just throw it to me, because he's one of the best. And that I don't care who's covering him. That's going to be a really tough matchup for anybody. I'm not really concerned about Josh Jacobs. He hasn't run the ball well all season. Normally, I'm worried about the running game. He hasn't run the ball well at all. The only My only concern with that is there's no Leonard Williams in the middle now, mm-hmm. and I don't know what that means as far as what they do to Dexter Lawrence. So 
that's a little concerning as far as maybe they will be able to run because Patty, do we know who's starting next to like a Robinson? Place? I think is going to get the start. It is, Robinson, okay. I think. So, I mean, he actually had a good game against the Jets last week. Had a great he played game. very well. Um, yep. So hopefully that continues. But it'll be interesting to see how they work the middle line. But the Raiders have had no success running the ball all season. So the Giants can stop that. And you put a rookie quarterback in third and long against Wink. I like our chances. Yeah. I think we should win this game. I really do. Regardless of the fact that it's on the road, I think we should win. And if they don't, how bad is the reaction going to be on Twitter? I mean, it doesn't matter at this point. I'm numb to it at this point. Like it, it, <laughs> the reaction on Twitter is going to, it can't get any worse than it's been. I mean, you know, it's, it's been, a, it's been a, you know, a, a wasteland, uh, rightfully so with the, with the performance of the team this year. So can't get much worse. I, and even if they win, Patty, how much could you really take out of it? You got Dallas the next week at Dallas. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's, this is a no win situation. If they win, I mean, obviously a win's a win, but nobody's going to believe any further in this team. If you beat the Raiders with all, you know, everything that we just talked about, you want to start to get the fans to believe a bit, put forth a good effort against the Dallas Cowboys the following week. Right. That's exactly yeah. it. I think that if they win, it might make some of the fan base mad. Yeah. Cause they're thinking about the draft. Right. Because they want you know, the higher so draft pick. I, I don't know. Again, I've been, I've been very active on Twitter. I'd say the last month I have fun. Uh, on there i know it's very toxic it, it's, it's incredible i like to play devil's advocate though because i see both sides of the argument i really do um so you know i like to just say make a point you know somebody says daniel jones sucks this and that i say well you know look at the situation around him he hasn't been good he's this that somebody says you know so the offensive line is just that well i'm like well this is his fifth year i mean he's got to be better than this he needs to do this better he needs to do that better he can't just be absolved of all blame there's a reason we're a really bad offensive team. He's definitely a part of that. Yeah. So I like to just, like I said, I like to play devil's advocate because you need to think about everything going forward here. But if they lose to the Raiders, and then they're looking at Dallas. I mean, you're looking at two and eight, and then you really are like in a just you're downward spiral. Yeah, exactly. You're going right down the drain with it. So it's just amazing if we were four and four, how different this whole situation. Oh, you'd be four and four. You'd be like, we just won two in a row because we could have easily won the last two. We're getting Jones back. We're getting Thomas back. The defenses look magnificent. All of a sudden, you're starting to say we're going to make the playoffs. Yeah. It really is a game of inches. It really is. Yeah, and you know, so you've got there's there's a the three game. This is a three game road straight swing. Vegas, Dallas, and then Washington. You figure they should be able to beat Washington, if nothing else. We and they come do. home and they, they host, I believe, the Patriots. Packers. Pack, oh, Patriots. Page, yeah. Packers is after the bye, right? Yeah. And that's, a, that's a prime time game, so that's a loss. <laughs> Packers is Monday night. Uh, Maybe they'll flex us out of there. Can they do that? I hope so. Does anybody want I to watch so. Packers and Giants on prime time? I don't. No. I don't either. No. I don't want no. prime time, period. But um, <laughs> Nobody wants to know. watch that game. I I. I uh, you know how I feel about night games. That yeah. one, I'm definitely taking a hotel room up by East Rutherford, even though I don't live that far from there. But, uh, but yeah. So, I mean, let me just throw this at you. Because, I mean, I was talking with somebody the other day. And this person, if you think I'm an optimist, this person's like Mr. Eternal Optimist. And he said, think about this for a second. The Giants beat the Raiders. They lose to Dallas. They beat uh, Washington and New England. Okay, then they have the bye. They should be able to beat the Packers. 
And then who do they have after that? I know they've got New they Orleans. Got the Rams. They should New be able Rams. to beat the Rams. New Orleans is a toss-up, and they they lose the two to the Eagles. So they could the Giants could fi- finish with a decent record. They I might not lose the last game to the Eagles because Eagles might have nothing to play for at that point. And they, they, I would, and I would, a possibility. I, I still think so, seven. I think seven wins is very realistic. I think it's possible we get seven wins. All right, just now, because of the way the defense is playing. And it's not, but it's not going to get you into the playoffs. Obviously. No, 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 no. But you know, would you take that, or would you know? I, I know there's a lot of people out there like, thank for the draft picks, take for the draft picks. But you know, then we all, you know, those of you who say we'll tank, you guys, you know, a lot of people who who I see, you know, on my timeline say tank for the draft picks. They're the same ones screaming about how the Giants lost and they look so bad. And I'm like, well, which is it? Do you want them to tank or do you want them to look good and win? Right. So, I mean, how would you feel with the Giants I, I, I think, seven wins? I think it – listen, I could certainly understand – I'm never going to root for my team to lose. I could certainly understand the fans that are thinking that way. I get it. I could see coming out of this season with a positive outlook going into next year if they win seven games, but it's the method in which they do it. Does Daniel Jones look progressively better? Does Evan Neal get better over the second half of the season? Does this defense continue to play near the level that they're playing at? Does Jalen Hyatt get more of an expanded role as the year goes along? So I think there's, if there's development in certain areas going forward and this team wins five out of their last nine and they have a few impressive wins along the way, yeah, I think you could say to yourself, okay, had a lot of injuries this year, played maybe the hardest schedule in the NFL. Next year, the schedule eases up a bit. Probably going to have Jones back at that point. We'll see if he could get better the following year and could stay healthy. Um, So I do, I could see under the right circumstance coming out of this year being like, okay, there's some hope going into 2024. But we've got to see a lot more improvement from Daniel Jones and Evan Neal and so on and so forth. Yeah, if we win games, uh, you know, we should have beat the Jets. Just say we hold on and win that game 13-10. Very unimpressive. Very unimpressive. If we win games like that, Nobody's going to sit there and go, oh, God, this is a good yeah. team. You're winning games 12 to 9 or 13 to 10. Nobody's going to be like, oh, yeah, we really turned the corner here. It's be like, no, we just beat a worse team if that's even possible. So, <laughs> um, the one thing, you know, one thing Carl said that was very intriguing, though, because he doesn't root for the tank. And he said, I never thought about this. He said, people that root for, the, for them to tank, they're never going to be happy. Because as soon as things go bad again, you're going to tank, just tank. And then, then you fall into that mindset of always, every time something goes wrong, just tank, just tank. And again, I'm not telling anybody what they should root for. I understand wanting, like I said, at the beginning of the show, I understand wanting a quarterback. I understand wanting the high draft. Pick. I, I totally get this. But again, to play devil's advocate like I do on Twitter, how many top 10 picks have we had since 2018? A lot, right? Where did we pick last year? 24th. How good is Deontay Banks? Do you need a top 10 pick? Because everybody's calling Joe Shane. Oh, Joe Shane should be fired because Evan Neal sucks. But he was the seventh overall pick. Well, you got to get rid of Daniel Jones. He's terrible. Sixth overall pick. Well, you know, Saquon Barkley's overrated. You shouldn't pay him. Second overall pick. Do you yeah. see my point? Just because yep. you're picking up there does not mean it's going to work. And I had a list of a bunch of quarterbacks since 2010 picked in the top 10 that were no good. And guys are going about Burrow. What about Harbaugh? I'm like, that's not my point. Jake Locker was picked eighth overall. Does anybody even know who the hell Jake Locker is? 
there's a lot of those guys. Sam Bradford was was not good, never lived up to expectations. There's there's Carson a, Wentz, Mark Carson Sanchez, Wentz, Mark Sanchez, Sam Darnold. The list goes. Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray. The list goes on and on and on. Guy named like six people. I'm like, dude, you named six. I named eighteen. Like, there's no guarantee. Exactly. Just you're there. And then hey, look at Jalen Hurts, second round pick. You know. Look at Dak Prescott. I know people give Dak a fourth round pick. Russell Wilson was a third round pick. Tom you don't Brady. always necessarily Tom Brady, right? I, Kirk, Kirk Cousins, fourth Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins. Right, same year that RG three went, Chris, and he was a top ten pick. No, Kirk Cousins went that same team went to Washington, and and yeah. So my, I guess my point is the talent's greater there, but that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to hit on it. So tanking does not guarantee us anything. It doesn't ensure anything. Um, then that's why I don't root for it in particular. But as I've said before, if we're two and 14 and we have the number one pick, and if we win, we lose the number one pick, at that point, I'm going to be like, lose the damn game. I don't care if it's the Philadelphia, just secure the number one pick. Don't don't win that game and go pull the third. Yeah. Different story. Just because if nothing else, the draft capital you could get for the first round pick is way more than the, than the third overall pick. Well, and plus, and plus, as a GM, you get to pick your guy. Correct. Because yeah. at that point, you're taking a quarterback. You don't have to worry. You're getting right. your guy. You know, as a fan, this was the quarterback Joe Shane wanted above all else. So, yeah. yeah. And yeah. by the way, dog, you know darn well you want the Giants to beat the Eagles regardless. I, I'll be honest. This is true, Patty, but I'll be, I'm telling you, that that's the one and only scenario where I'd be like, if they won and could and fell the third, I'd rather them just – a meaningless game – I'd rather just say that the, how the year's over, just get just end it. Just take your first wow. overall pick and move on. That's how bad it is. I could definitely I don't even need to root against them. I know they're not beating the Eagles anyway. So what it matter? And that's not tanking. I guarantee you, last game of the season, Daniel Jones ain't playing. Why bother? Why would you risk him in a game that doesn't mean anything? Would you yeah. want to risk? Why would you risk Saquon Barkley? Why would you risk anybody? Probably going to sit them all anyway. Saying this year's over, so wave the white flag. What's that? Wave the white flag at that point, right. I guess. Yeah. Which so, I don't know. I don't know if Dable would do that. You know, I, I don't think that's. His I don't think it's going to come to that. I I, yeah. I just think this defense is too good for us to finish with the number one pick. I would. I I'd be surprised. I, I think the yeah. defense is going to win us some games. Now. You know, speaking of Dable, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm starting to jot down notes for my next, well, not the Monday show, it'll probably be the Tuesday show. And things that have kind of bothered me, I guess, about the job Dable has done this year. And for me, one of the biggest things has been the lack of transparency with injuries. And I know it's a balance that you want to protect the guy, you know, and not spill his, his business. but I'll give you a, a good example by saying, oh, Graham Gano is going to be okay. He's fine. Don't worry about him. Things like that have bothered me about mm-hmm. Dable. The lack of aggressiveness that we saw last year when he was working with a heck of a lot less, if you can argue, than he is this year. That yeah. has bothered me. What has bothered you guys most about the job Dable has done this year? Yeah, I, I well, Bad Dog mentioned it on our podcast, and it was – by far, his biggest mistake was leaving Daniel Jones in the first game against the Dallas Cowboys. Like that, that would do it. And, and Carl brought up a great point that I didn't even think about off of that was that that may have crippled Daniel Jones's confidence. 
leaving him in that game, leave, leaving him out to dry in that mm-hmm. game, watching all the starters get on the bench. And how could you not feel, if you're Daniel Jones, how do you not feel at that point that my head coach doesn't care about me? I'm the, I'm the, I'm the quarterback, and he's leaving me out here with all these backups against this defense that's devoured me all game. So maybe it did cripple Daniel Jones' confidence a bit, leaving him in that game. Um, so I think that was by far his biggest mistake. Uh, and I, obviously I agree with you that he – and I understand that in certain circumstances. Like last week, I get it. It's your third-string quarterback. You're, you know, your strength is your defense. I don't expect you to be aggressive. But there's been moments this year where, like you said, where in last year you said he would have went for that. And he hasn't done it this year. He hasn't shown, he hasn't shown confidence in his players near the same level that he did last year. It's weird. I always felt like when Daniel Jones was playing his best, he wasn't afraid to make a mistake. And when he is afraid to mistake, it never really does. And I feel like that's the way Dable's coached. Like Dable, I feel like Dable's going into the year that understanding that this team has expectations. Now. Last year, he had nothing to lose. First year coach is a bad team. Nobody expected anything of the Giants. And we go nine, seven, and one, win a playoff game. And all of a sudden, people start to expect a little bit more. You're coach of the year. Now you have to live up to – now you have some expectations to live up to. And I feel like Dable has coached the way Jones has played, which is I don't want to make a mistake. And, and when you coach like that, when you play like that, you're going to make mistakes. We talked about this at the beginning of the year, Patty. It seemed like substitutions were off. There was a lot of miscommunication. These little things that did not happen last year are happening this year. We talked about last year how they were so prepared. They had a plan A, B, C, D, all the way down to K, you know. And now it's like back to the Joe Judge regime here. Oh, plan B is done now. Now, we, now we're lost. We, yeah. we Tommy DeVito's in there. What, what do we do with them? Just give the ball to Barkley. And, and yeah. it, was, it was like they had no plan for Tommy DeVito, which doesn't make sense because Tyrod Taylor's dealt with injuries, 35 years old, our offensive line sinks. You would think they would have said, okay, if there's a scenario when Tommy DeVito comes in, how are we going to handle it? Yeah. I can't imagine it was just we'll just hand the ball up to Saquon every time. And there's just there's just been poor execution this year. And you go back go back to week one, first drive, were incredible drive. I mean, you it looked like the Giants of the year before, the way that they were able to move the ball, running the football, using Daniel Jones' legs. They get down on the 10 yard line, the most reliable player in the team, full start. Then a snap over the quarterback's head. It's it, it the team just hasn't executed either at near the level that they did last year. When you're not a really talented team, that's going to kill you. Like, you need yeah. to play just about perfect because you're not good enough to overcome those type of mistakes. Yeah. yeah. And I feel like that's been his thing. I feel like he's been very gun-shy. Just does not want to make the egregious mistake. And in that, he plays everything very close to the best. For last year, I felt like he's like, I got nothing to lose, so I'm just going to let it go. And they played way better. And I feel like I say this all the time. The team takes on the persona of its head coach. Yep. When you're an aggressive head coach, that's an aggressive team. When you're a tentative head coach, it's a tentative team. The Giants seem like they get caught back on their heels a lot. Uh, so yeah, that's a good point. It's uh, it's been frustrating. I just think Dable. I, I'm not giving up on Dable. I, I put that on Twitter too. I'm like, I'm I've been hard on Dable this year. I feel like I, he's deserved a lot of criticism. I'm not giving up on him. I think he's going through growing pains. And he's dealt with some injuries this year, and that's not an excuse. And I don't think he's coached well, but I just feel like he's going through some growing pains. He'll figure it out. I think he's a good coach. I really yes. I have no faith in Joe Judge. I still have a lot of faith in Dable. I think he's just having a bad season. And he mentioned it in training camp. He said this is a different year. When they were talking about the players, we'll see every player deals with adversity in a different way. 
He's dealing with adversity. So we're going to yeah. see how he handles adversity. But By the way, you, you mentioned Tommy DeVito. Interesting. Uh, Kafka was asked about him yesterday. And, it, you know, is DeVito your, your number two quarterback? Because Tyrod's going to probably miss a few weeks now. And he said the, you know, he said yes, but the qualifier for down. We all know where this is going. Yeah. We all know that Barkley is going to be the number two quarterback as long as Tyrod is out. So I go back to the point of, you know, you've had DeVito on your roster since the spring. You've been developing him. Now, I'm not expecting him to be Patrick Mahomes in training here. But you mean to tell me he hasn't progressed enough to where you can trust him to throw the ball around, you know, a a few times in select spots? Right. What am I missing? (laughs) I don't know. And then that over, the way they call the game, like, he threw three passes. What, what the hell was that? Like, why is he and going? at the end. At the yeah. end, too. Why is he doing passes? He threw three in a row, and they were all lateral to the line of scrimmage. Just hand the ball off at that point, if that's what you're going to do. You're going to yeah. get more yardage that way. What, what are they doing? And the middle screen was, oh. you know what the hell that was? That was always picked off. He threw it right into, I don't even know who was there. So a bunch of jets in the middle of that, so... Yeah, I, I don't know, you know, and then somebody else asked me, I, I, I've i got a mailbag coming out tomorrow on Giants Country. Somebody asked me if I thought that Dable lost the locker room. I don't think he's lost the locker room. I do think there's maybe a couple players in there who are disgruntled, who maybe won't be back next year. But I don't get the sense that they've lost the locker room. I mean, McAdoo lost the locker room. Shermer lost the locker room. Judge lost the locker room. I don't sense that with Dable. Do you agree? Yeah, I don't feel that they've lost the locker room. It's definitely not lack of effort why they're not winning these games. Um, They're they're giving it everything they got. I I don't sense that. The other thing that I'll say that was encouraging, which obviously blew up on Twitter, was what Leonard Williams had to say um, about Joe Shane when he got traded to the Seattle Seahawks. Had The way that Joe Shane handled the trade, I think, is a very good thing for players around the NFL to hear. Um, yep. you know, that, that builds, I guess, chemistry from within, within that building when players get drafted there or players get acquired to sign there or players that are in that building, they feel like the GM is going to do right by them. So that was a good, you know, maybe it's not being talked about. You don't, you won't think about it in two weeks, but when I heard that, I'm like, that's a good thing. That's a good thing that players feel yep. that way. They do about Joe Shane. Joe Shane is very transparent and I don't think he's yep. a BSer. Yeah, he's not he's not a used car salesman who's going to get, you know, sell you a, a line, a song and a dance or anything like that. He's very upfront about, you know, he'll sit a player down and he'll say, look, this is what we can do. And this is why we want to do it. And, it, you know, this is what I've heard it anyway from people who've had conversations with him. So, you know, when you're transparent like that and you're upfront and honest and you respect the people that you're dealing with, that does go a long way. It yeah. absolutely does. Now, a big topic that I know a lot of people want to want to ask about, and I was asking about this too. I've been doing a little like sleuthing, if you will. The injuries, the soft tissue injuries. All right. So Waller now with the hamstring. And by the way, it's not the same hamstring he had last year that, that ended his season early. Mm-hmm. Andrew Thomas with the hamstring in the beginning of the year. Just Sean Corbin has a hamstring. The calf injuries, all this stuff. People are like, what's going on with these injuries? 
Well, not I'm, not just not just the Giants. Look at the Jets. Well, I mean, yeah, but the Giants are are like one of the. No, most I'm saying, I, but we put when we talk about the turf and the field, they well, had like five guys yeah, get hurt in that game. Chris, I'm talking about soft tissue injuries. I'm not talking about you know, torn ACLs, right, 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 and broken right, bones right, and all right, that right, stuff. Right. Soft tissue. So I was talking with somebody who is a um, an athletic trainer has worked with pro uh, teams before. I don't know if this individual has ever worked with the Giants before. I don't think this individual has. But we were talking about this, and, and basically the person said to me, I would significantly question how this team is addressing its stretching and flexibility, given the calves, given the hamstrings, you know, all the you know the soft tissue injuries he said that's usually a sign of a poor stretching program a poor flexibility program and you know we were talking about you know well what should they be doing and stuff like that and he, and, and he said look you know let, let take take for example you know Andrew Thomas Andrew Thomas plays a position you don't really have to run and you know you can't assume that he won't have to run because if there's an interception, hey, now you got you ch- got to chase the guy down. So this person just kind of questioned how the Giants are addressing their their conditioning as far as stretching and and you know flexibility and all that stuff. Legitimate question, I suppose. Yeah, I I don't understand. Is this happens to us every year? And I, I you would think these guys are professional athletes. They have the best of the best with everything. They have the top trainers. They have the, you know, the top muscle and strength guys. They got the, they got the everything top of the line equipment, you know, to everything is, is, you know, way better than what I use. Now, I'm not playing football, but I mean, I, I don't, you know, like I would, I, I don't pull muscles or, or mess anything up. And yeah, I'm not playing football, but it's just weird how this happens to us. Like Andrew Thomas, I thought he might be back against, San Francisco, and seven weeks later, he's still dealing with this. Like, I want to know how they can't heal it. I understand hamstrings, but we don't know whatever happened with hamstring. I think so, because they rushed him back, or, or not rushed him back. I think because they figured, okay, he's he's ready to come back, and, and let's test it out. Um, I think before he was five, and, and, it, and he wasn't. Did they give us, like, what happened? Like, Joe, Joe Burrow, we knew he had a, a grade one or grade two calf strain. Do we ever like that's a thing? Depending on how high the grade is, it's how serious the injury is. Do, do we ever really know what the technical? Did he pull a hamstring? Is it a hamstring strain? Is it a hamstring contusion? Like what? Do we know that exactly? I don't know. Okay, I don't well, think it was just a strain though. I mean, is it a partially? I think it was at least like, a grade two, a grade two injury. Because hamstrings, I think, are grade. You know, you have grade one, grade two, grade three. Yeah, same thing. With so I got to think he had at least a grade two. So that's a few I don't weeks. know that for a fact. Yeah, well, that would make sense because they're they're like four to six weeks to heal one of those. And yeah, yeah. I, all I know is he's much bigger than mine is. That's a big guy. <laughs> these soft tissue injuries, though, my God, and and you know you can't even blame the turf. You know, everybody always blames the turf. You see the Jets getting you know these soft tissue injuries like the Giants are. Yes, they have you know. ACLs and ankles and stuff like that, your normal football injuries. But for me, you know, I look at injuries and I should, I, I'm going to see if I, I can find this data on uh, man games loss. 
I'm curious to see who leads the league in soft tissue injuries, not broken bones, not ACLs, not concussions, soft tissue injuries. That's what I'm curious to see, if I can find that data. Probably us. You know, we, we, and, we lead in the worst tests, not the best ones. And and by the way, did you know for everybody who you know rags on Ronnie Barnes, did you all see what what uh, Graham Gano had to say about him? No, I missed it. What did he say? Basically, and I'm paraphrasing. He said, "You know, I see all this stuff said about." Actually, you know what? Hold on, I think I have the actual the actual quote. I'll I'll read it to you. Yeah, here we go. He said. <clears throat> We have one of the best medical staffs in the whole league. I saw some stuff online about them, and I don't swear often, but I think it's BS, honestly, because they're one of the best in the league. I would trust my own children with them. <laughs> so now I'll, I'll mention this. I'll, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you all a story about the Giants medical staff. Many years ago when my father was having heart problems. You know, I was at a wit set, you know, I'm looking for a doctor that specialized in, in treating what he was having done and, or what was going on with him. And just on a whim one day, I went to the, I was talking with Pat Hanlon and I, and I was telling him what was going on. And he said to me, do you want me to ask Ronnie for a recommendation? So I figured, okay, at that point, what could it hurt? Ronnie probably knows everybody, you know, who's anybody in the medical field. So sure enough, Ronnie Barnes came back with a recommendation for, for a heart surgeon who at the time was one of the top three heart surgeons in the country. Just happened to be based in New York, thankfully. Mm-hmm. Ronnie helped us get an appointment with this guy. This guy did my father's open heart surgery, probably extended my father's life another 20 years. So, you know people rag on Ronnie Barnes and I, I just don't understand it. Ronnie treats the injuries. He and his staff treat the injuries. They work on the rehab, the, the problems as I see it, the strength and conditioning. Okay. You know, you had the turnover and I've mentioned this before. You keep turning over that program. Different philosophies happen. Are these guys really getting the best training possible? Is the training taking place? I mean, dog, you you work out a lot. If you work with a trainer and you change that trainer every like year or every two years, isn't that a detrimental to you to your training routine? I don't know because I have never I've never actually messed with my training. I, I know that it's good to train different, you know, do different things. But if you have a different strength and conditioning coach, you're probably going to tell you to do something completely different than it was before, and. I, I mean, I honestly, Patty, yeah, I work out, but it's hard for me to speak to that because I really, I've never had a trainer and I just have my own regimen and I pretty much do the same thing all the time. And I know it's good to switch it up now and again. So I really don't, because I don't, I just lift weights just to be in shape. Like I don't lift weights to, to play a professional sport. So I know the training has got to be way different compared, you know, I just lift weights. That's it. I'm not training for an athletic event, especially at that level. So That'd be hard for me to answer what that would do to them. Um, but I would imagine if you're working muscles in different ways and they're not used to it and you don't really get them to build up a certain way and then all of a sudden you're changing it, 
Mm-hmm. I got to imagine that could, you know, weaken it or whatever right? that, you know, you, you trained one way and then all of a sudden you're training another, you're certainly not going to be as strong once you train the change of this. Um, what am I trying to say the training regimen? Like if you're training to be a power lifter and then all of a sudden you train to be a bodybuilder, well, those are two totally different things. You're not going to be able to lift the same amount of weight when, you know, you're a bodybuilder as opposed to a power lifter. So I don't know. I did certainly could cause it, but, I honestly don't know. I, I I could. I wish I could give anybody an answer as to why this crap keeps happening with this team, but yeah, I don't, it's frustrating. Well, and then here's 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 another thought. You know, and I've always often wondered about this. These guys go out and they hire trainers, and the trainers that they hire, I question if these trainers actually put them through football related exercises. You know, exercises and workouts designed to help them you know, beyond looking, you know, impressive without a shirt. You know what I'm saying? I question, you know, back in the day before, you know, the NFLPA cracked down on all these supplements, I can remember players with, with, with whose lockers were stacked with supplements, which were legal, you know, obviously they weren't getting dinged for, 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 you know, illegal substances or anything like that. And I, and I, I sat there and I, I, I remember having a conversation with one guy, a former player, I said, my God, why are you taking all this crap? And he said, oh, you know, it, it, it helps recovery. It helps with building muscle. It helps with this. So I said, look, I'm no sports scientist. I'm no trainer. But doesn't sleep help with recovery? Doesn't massage help with recovery or sitting in an Epsom salt bath? Do you really need to be taking all these supplements that are ground down and mixed into a powder that you mix up with water? I mean, is that really good for you at the end of the day? And I don't know. I legitimately don't know the answer because I'm not a sports scientist. I can only tell you what my doctor has told me. My doctor's like, stay away from all that crap. Get your protein through your diet. Mm-hmm. You know, get your, your your collagen. You know, collagen I can take, you know. Everybody's different. I get it. But, dog, again, I don't know what you, what you do or or what you've heard. Is are all these supplements that are out there that are supposedly safe really good for you? Uh well, I take creatine. That's that's it. That's the only thing that I take. I once in a while I take pre-workout. I kind of got off of that because I don't feel like I I need it. You can definitely tell the difference. But all this other stuff, it's really again for a professional athlete, I don't know what supplements they take or what it does for them, but I can tell you. Normally, the, the supplements are just complete BS. They're placebo effects because what supplements do for you more than anything is make your mind think that it's helping you. And the mind-muscle connection is a real thing. But what I always feel people that sell supplements are just trying to take advantage of vulnerable people that are just want to lose weight. They don't even need to be muscular. They just want to lose weight. And people say, oh, you take this fat burner and don't change your diet. And you're going to lose 10 pounds a week. And it's such crap. But they'll buy it. Because some people are so vulnerable and desperate to, oh my God, I can just do this and I don't have to exercise and I don't have to go to the gym. I can, I don't need to change my diet. I just need to take this pill. If that was real, everybody would be in the best shape of their life. It's just, not, it's not the way the body works. But as far as supplements go, yeah, I don't think they have that great of an effect. Maybe a little bit. Creatine is well, by far the best thing you could take as far as a, as you know, a supplement. I think. But you can well, also I mean, that to your food. You check with your doctor, obviously. I don't, you know, I, I'm of the of the opinion the less you take, the better. Yeah, I don't know. But what everybody is different. 
They don't need fat burners and they don't need test boosters and they don't need whatever. They don't need protein powder. They don't need, I'm trying to think of what else they take, multivitamins and all this other. There's a, there's a lot of it out there. There's tons of herbal stuff. But you know what? I mean, just getting back to the injury issue here, I would really be curious, you know, supposedly the Giants have this staff of sports scientists. They look at all this data. What exactly is this data telling them? How are they coming up with the decisions? That I would love to know. And, you know, you ask about that in the pressers and they just kind of get brush you off. I guess they don't want to give away the state secrets, but that's what I'd be curious about. How are you monitoring this stuff? Is it like, you know, a glucose monitor where you attach it to your arm and you plug it into a um, a smartphone and it monitors and gives you a readout? I mean, that to me is is, is what I'd, I'd want to know. And I saw somebody said, hey, why don't you, you know, find out what, what some of the healthier teams are doing? And, you know, maybe there's clues there. I agree with that because obviously what's going on here, the Giants – you know, some of these soft tissue injuries are like, my goodness. Yeah. Well, but, you know, good. and then you throw in the lack of depth at certain positions where they're, they're having these injuries and just not a very good recipe. So, yeah. I mean, that being said, where do the Giants go from here? They, you know, they, they are getting some guys back. I mentioned Evan Neal. Looks like he'll be back. Looks like Andrew Thomas should be back. We know Jones is coming back. I mean, it's been a while. What are our expectations with these guys? Do you think, you know, do they come in and are they going to be sloppy? Are they going to, you know, click? I mean, what do you what are you expecting from the offense? You know, because that's where a lot of the injuries have happened on on offense. So, what are your expectations if they get Andrew back? If they get Evan back? You know, Jones being back and, you know, no Waller, but you now you've got Saquon back. I have no expectations for Neil. I mean, I mean, I hope, you know, that that's that's the word I'm going to use for Neil the rest of the year. I hope he gets significantly better because he's one of the, you know, what we think uh, one of the key cogs to this team long term, or at least what we were hoping for going into the season. But based off what I've seen from Evan Neal, how could I have any real expectations that he's going to be really good? I, I don't. Um, Andrew yeah. Thomas, I, I think, will step in if he's healthy, which I'm thinking he's going to be. He hasn't played in a long time, so I think they were safe with him. You got to figure he's going to step in. He's going to do the job. Maybe a little bit of a, you know, maybe he's not going to be quite himself right away, but I do think that'll come along pretty quickly for him. Daniel Jones, listen, the pressure's on. Uh, you know, he doesn't have time to have a catch me up. He you know, we were talking about earlier, you know, what's the rush for Daniel Jones? From a Giants perspective, completely understandable. From Daniel Jones' perspective, it's the complete opposite. From your Daniel, if you're Daniel Jones, you need to get back out there because you need to make sure that this team starts winning football games. So for Daniel Jones' sake, he better hit the ground running and it better start this week. Probably will be a little bit rusty, but I think they'll they'll go strong with the run his first game back against uh, the Raiders. Yeah, almost Chris. I don't have much expectations for the offense. I, I saw this offense. You know, I know they had a great second half in Arizona. There's no taking that away. But I look at the other quarters, whether there was Barkley there or Thomas there or not. I just look at the first six quarters of the season when Barkley was there. They didn't score a point in six quarters. And 
Outside of the two quarters in Arizona, Daniel Jones played 17 quarters. He scored 24 points in those 17 quarters. Now, yeah, this will be the first time since week one that he's had Andrew Thomas and Saquon Barkley, and they're going against a lesser opponent than Dallas. So you would think that the offense would be better. But if they're not taking shots down the field, then they're not stretching the defense. That defense is allowed to play up and make every throw contested. And and the four-yard passes are high-risk passes because guys aren't playing off the receivers because there's no threat of them going past them. It's going to be extremely difficult for anybody to move the ball like that. I don't care who the defense is that you're playing against. So, you know, they got to change what they've done. Brian Dable at this point has to say to Daniel Jones, just just go back to the one-two go and take some shots and just play football. We have nothing to lose at this point. Just stop, yeah. stop holding back. Just go out and play football. And, and let the chips fall where they may. But if the Giants are still predictable, he's going to get beat up again. He's going to get knocked around, and he very well could get hurt again. It, it ain't going to matter. If those guys have no reason to play you honest, and they say, okay, well, we're going to rush because we know we're going to blitz him, you know, 40% of the time because we know he's throwing the ball two yards. We're just going to play up and tackle the guy. He ain't, he ain't going to take any chances. One-on-one matchups, he ain't going deep. So let's just keep bringing the pressure. Yeah. They got to change it up until they do that. I, I have no confidence that they're going to do anything because this offense has been the same all year, no matter who's been in there. Mm. Yep. I'm with you. I'm with you. All right. Listen, I'm going to take my final commercial break. I know a lot of you have questions. You've been asking them throughout. Start popping them in the, in the chat box. If we don't get to them right away, just keep popping them in there. And eventually I'll see them. I'll put them on the screen and we'll start answering some of those questions right after we take this break. Hey, Giant fans. So between my work here on the Locked on Giants podcast over on Giants country and going back and forth between here and East Rutherford to bring you all the latest and greatest Giants coverage, I just don't have time some nights to cook or to get to the grocery store to make sure that my fridge is full. Luckily, I don't have to, thanks to DoorDash. With DoorDash, I get everything I want when I need it delivered straight to my door. You know, for years, I've trusted DoorDash to also deliver freshly made meals from my favorite restaurants, and they've never let me down. And now that they've added grocery delivery to their offering, it's made my life so much easier because I can get what I want, what I need, and when I want it from my go-tos like BJ Wholesales and Wegmans. DoorDash has thousands of grocery stores to choose from, so you'll find one in your neighborhood that's right for you. You'll get what you ordered, or they will make it right. And you can save on all your grocery and restaurant favorites with a no delivery fee on eligible orders with a Dash Pass membership. And now for a limited time, you can get 50% off your first DoorDash order up to $20 when you use the promo code LOCKEDONNFL at checkout. That's 50% off up to $20, no minimum subtotal, and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app and enter the promo code LOCKEDONNFL. Terms apply. All right, everybody, welcome back to Locked on Giants Live. Train and Tain a dog. And we're going to start answering some of your questions. Um, again, just pop them in the chat box. And if I don't get them on the screen right away, just keep asking them because sometimes the chat box goes really quick and I don't always catch up with it. So uh, I'm not ignoring you. I'm just trying to keep up with it as best as I can. So Let's uh, kick this off. We've got one from X. How do y'all feel about the Raiders being favorite in this game? X, I don't care about that stuff. I'm not, I've never been much of a gambler myself. Mm -hmm. um, 
it is what it is. You know, that's what makes people happy. Great. I look at matchups and, you know, do I think the Giants can win this game? I think it's, this is a game they should be able to win. I think, you know, if they don't, then I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. I mean, look, no disrespect to AP, Antonio Pierce. I love the guy. I think he's going to be an outstanding head coach. But this is all so sudden. And, you know, it's either going to go one of two ways. The Raiders are either going to come out firing on all cylinders or they're going to have to get organized for a little bit. So the point spread to me, I don't care about it. It's so small and, you know, it doesn't mean anything to me. Just my take. Yeah, I yeah, I agree with you for for the most part. I'm a little surprised they're underdogs though. But the only the, my my answer to you X though would be it's on the road. That's why. And if we're being honest, the Giants really aren't more than 3 or 4 points better than almost any team in the league. So, the fact it's on the road, traditionally the the home team gets 3 points. I think the Giants are getting a point or a point and a half. They're basically saying if it was neutral field, the Giants would be favored by about a point and a half. So, I, that's probably about right. You know, even if we're playing the Arizona Cardinals at home right now, the way that this team has played, I wouldn't think we'd be more than a five, five and a half point favorite. So I'm not too shocked by the line. If it was in New- if it was here, we'd be favored. It's there. So they're favored. So I'm not too surprised by the line. Yeah. Giants traveling across the country. Offense has been in shambles the entire year. Um, the defense has played well, and there is definitely a whole new flavor to the Raiders offense. So. I don't know. Maybe Vegas is taking that into consideration that they're going to come out. The you know the honeymoon phase is just beginning with Antonio Pierce, and they're going to come out play inspired under the rookie. It's a whole different thing. And the Giants have had a, a, a tumultuous season already. Daniel Jones is coming off an injury, but we really don't know one hit he could be done. You know, we don't know what's going on with Andrew Thomas, and there's just a lot of uncertainty. There's a lot of uncertainty with both of these teams. But again, I. Like Chris mentioned, if we were home, I think we'd be favored. Um, but I understand us being underdog against anybody. Uh, honestly, yeah. we're, we're not. We, we're not a good team. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're not. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's like I, I, I and, and I do think we'll win. By the way, but I but I'm not stunned uh, that we're a road dog. There's yeah. how many teams do you think honestly right now the way that this team is playing? And I understand where X is getting because all the variables do coach young quarterback. That's why I think we're gonna win. But how many teams do you think we'd be favored against on the road in the NFL right now? I don't know if we'd be favored against one. None. None. Not even Arizona. I I honestly don't. Maybe Carolina, maybe. Maybe by a point. Yeah. Point and a half. Yeah. Yeah. Got to have a reason to believe. That's what what, what I've been saying all along. So, Papa Guzzo, who, by the way, dog, has a problem with the beard this week. <laughs> he said yeah, that, I got, the uh, he said that at the beginning of the pod. I got Christmas uh, pictures tomorrow, so, you know, I have to I just shave tomorrow. That's, that's all right. They, they I, got, Papa I got family pictures tomorrow with, with Mrs. and Little Bad Dog, so I got to shave. All right, he's going to clean up. It's Papa Guzzo, you know that if I shave the night, it's going to be just like this tomorrow. You're Italian. You get it. <laughs> All right, so Papa Guzzo wants to know, what will be the starting O-line this week? Um, I feel good about Thomas and Neil returning, so we'll say from left to right, it'll be Thomas, Pugh at left guard, Schmitz at center. I think Lewinsky will stay at right guard. He's played well the last couple weeks. And Neil. So So our our starters from the beginning of the year. Right, the exception being Bredesen. Yeah, yeah. Bredesen will be the first guy off off the, the bench, but, you know. Um, so that's how I see it. You know, I, 
Now, the thing with, with Thomas, and I made this point, I think, uh, in my letters to the editor column that's going to drop tomorrow, that's a long play ride to Las Vegas. So when you're sitting for a long period of time and you've got a hamstring, you got to hope that doesn't stiffen up. I'm sure, though, they will get him up and moving around on the, pl- the flight. I don't think they'll have Andrew Thomas, you know, sitting or sleeping the whole flight out there. So that's just something to keep in mind as, you know, as an FYI. So, all right. Uh, Maximus asks, think that that the successful season Dable had was higher detrimental, bringing on more expectations. You know, Maximus, I had, um, I, for, I think it was Mike Ole Jr. on the show uh, th- this week. And I asked him about that. I said that about, you know, about the expectations last year. And he's, and he said, look, the bottom line is the Giants last year, you look at their wins, and a lot of their wins were by one score or less. And he said, really, that's not sustainable, you know, when you because that, that just shows that you're struggling to win and you're just, you know, getting by. So he felt that that was not a sustainable way to win. Because I, I, I think my question to him was, and, and there's probably a short on, on my channel about this, and, uh, you know, I said, I said, you know, did that let that first season skew expectations? You know, should this be the year that they should have had last year? And he basically was like, yeah, I mean, you know, you had all these close victories. You know, when was the last time you can sit back and say, ah, the Giants got this one in the bag? He says, he says, you can't really say that the last couple of years. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think I think a clear example, uh, very similar. Obviously, we don't hope it pans out this way. One, Ben McAdoo. Um, he, he came in, he had a really good first year, raised expectations. I think Dable's obviously better than McAdoo, but it happens. Eric Mangini with the Jets came mm-hmm. in their first year. Everybody called him Eric Mangenius. People were saying he should have won coach of the year that year where they won 10 games. Nobody expected it. He quickly fell off. The NFL is an unpredictable sport, and Dable's getting his first taste of adversity and we'll see how he picks himself off the mat. But, I, I, yeah, I mean, it clearly raised expectations. But, listen, at the end of the day, in the NFL, if you're a head coach or if you're a quarterback, your job's never safe. Right. Never. Your job is never safe. Maybe Dable's going to have two more years, but after that, there's no guarantees. He can be fired. If this team sucks next year, he's gone. So mm-hmm. it, it's it's a year-to-year league, and you have to show consistency. You look at Mike Tomlin with the Steelers. Every freaking year, that team finds a way to win at least nine games, and that's why he keeps his job. Um, it's a it's a it's a year to year league. You winning coach of the year means nothing. Jason Garrett won coach of the year. Jason freaking Garrett won coach of the year, and we couldn't wait to run him out of town. Um, so you're good cowboy fans, yeah. So you know, <laughs> I guess yeah, it raised expectations this year, but at the end of the day, I think Dable knew going into the year that winning coach of the year in the grand scheme of things doesn't mean a whole lot. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. All right, Papa Guzzo's back. He wants to know, will Kayvon Thibodeau get 15 or more sacks? I don't know if he'll get 15, but I do think he'll he'll hit double digits. Like better. He's better. got eight and a half already. I mean, yeah. I, I would say if I had to take a guess, maybe 12, 12 and a half, and I'm being ultra conservative, I guess. I'll be honest. I, I think he's going to get another multi-sack game this week. I, really I can do. see that happening against that Raiders offensive Raiders line. Offensive line's no good. I can, I can see him getting two sacks this week. He's going to be yeah. the first guy in the history of the first guy in a Wink Martindale defense to have double-digit sacks yeah. in the history. So that goes yep. to show you the year he's having. All right. Now, 
I've I've also seen you know this question pop up about Aziz Ojulari and if he'll play another game this season. Don't um, count. Yeah, I am not so sure. I mean, look, I haven't visited with Aziz. I, I haven't seen him in the locker room, but I do plan. You know, if I see him, I will see what I can find out about that. But right now, I don't get the sense that they're going. They're in a hurry to get him off of the injured reserve list, just like they're not in a hurry to get um, Aaron Robinson off the pup list. They've got other roster spots or roster needs they have to fill. So that factors into it as well. All right. Uh, Amazing guy asked, why was DJ cleared last week, but not active? All right. Amazing guy rosters for a Sunday game are set by Saturday at 4 PM. Eastern Daniel was not cleared until Sunday morning. At that point, he had already been declared out on Friday. And once the guys declared out, you can't go back and say, oh, we're going to upgrade him to, to doubtful or, or questionable. It's not how it works. But more importantly, again, the time frame. Once the rosters are set 4 o'clock on Saturday, that's it. They're locked in. No more changes. Daniel was cleared on Sunday morning. So that's the time frame that Daniel spoke of. That's what I had heard. And that's what Dable had had confirmed uh, when he was asked about that. So um, that's what, you know, happened there. All right, let's see. Uh, I see a question about the Jets on Monday night. Uh, I don't care what, one way or another. But I don't even who are the Jets even playing? Uh, it's Chargers. This Chargers. Week. I mean, yeah, that that's that's for you guys want to know about the Jets. I would say hit up Locked on Jets and Johnny Butchko. He could probably tell you more about that. Um, all right. Fabian wants to know how much confidence do you guys have in Dable and Jones? I'm very confident in Dable. I do think Dable is a good coach and I think he'll get it figured out. Now, would I like him to maybe improve in some areas? Yes. We could all improve in some areas. I'm sure he, you know, he'll say I can improve in some areas, but you know, I think for the most part, he has a plan. He knows what he's doing. I, you know, I haven't seen any signs of him, you know, dividing the locker room or losing the locker room. Um, he's, you know, his staff is still pretty good. All things considered, does he need to make a few changes? Yes. Do I think he will? Absolutely. I think, you know, we could see one or more coordinators gone after this year. We could see maybe a couple of position coaches not back after this year, but we'll see. We'll see what he ends up doing. And as far as Daniel Jones goes, my jury is still out on him. I really want him to do well. I think he's taken a step back and, you know, going back to the point that I think dog you made uh, or you, you revealed earlier, maybe it was Tana. I don't remember what Carl Banks said about, you know, oh, the confidence, yeah, the Dallas game. Did mm-hmm. he maybe lose some of his confidence? Possible. It's absolutely possible. So, yeah, I think, I think there's different ways to answer at least the DJ portion of the question. Uh, Dable, I'm confident in. I'm confident that if we let Dable go, there'd be five teams rushing to pick him up as their head coach at the end of the year. So I'm not going to claim that he's going to be an elite coach. He's got a lot more to prove before that. But I'm confident that he's a smart guy that I want to stick around here for at least another two years after this to see what he could become with this football team. So I still have confidence in Dable. I've not wavered there. Daniel Jones, I am confident that Daniel Jones, especially with the way that this defense is playing right now, that if the offensive line could play satisfactory, is good enough to win his football games against 
less than great opponents. I'm confident in that. I think Daniel Jones is a starting quarterback in the NFL. Not changing my opinion. I, I still think that. I am not confident that he's a franchise quarterback because he's not taken that leap this year. So if you're asking me if I'm confident whether or not I think Daniel Jones is going to be the long-term answer for this team, no. I'd be lying to you if I said otherwise. I think long-term, eventually, whether it be next year, the year after that, the year after that, he will be replaced. That's where I stand with Daniel Jones. But I do think he's a starting quarterback in the NFL, and I think he's good enough to win with the roster this team currently has when they go up against less than incredible, you know, superior opponents. Yeah, at the beginning of the, you know, somewhere along here during the stream, I've said I, I think Dable is a good coach. I'm very confident Dable. I think he's having a bad year. I think he's going through growing pains. And we'll see how he handles it next year. We'll see if he makes the same mistakes. If he keeps making the same mistakes, I'm not going to have confidence in him, which is why the confidence on Daniel Jones conti- continues to waver because it seems like he gets it, and then all of a sudden he regresses and starts making the same mistakes that he did. So it's it's difficult. I'll say this about my confidence level in Daniel Jones. My confidence level in Daniel Jones is probably the same confidence Daniel Jones has in himself. Right now, I don't see that. Is it in there? Sure. Is he a physically gifted quarterback? Absolutely. I'll still stick to it. I know people, you're crazy. I, I still think he's got right at the top third of a skill set in the NFL. He's mobile. He's not athletic. He's mobile, though. He can run. He's got a good arm. It's not fantastic, but it's good. He's accurate. Okay. And, and he's, he's tough. All, and he's tough. Yeah. But he does not. He does not progress fast enough. And I've said this all year. When you have a slow guy, when you have a guy that progresses, or I'm sorry, processes slowly, and you have a bad offensive line, that is a recipe for disaster. Because you need to make really quick decisions when the line, especially when the line's bad. In the NFL, you got to make quick decisions anyway. You have to be decisive with where you're going with the ball. You have to have confidence in the throw. You have to have confidence that the guy's going to catch it. When you don't have that, the slightest hesitation is going to cost you. And that's why I think Daniel Jones is lacking confidence. It is the slightest hesitation is the reason the dude is getting slammed constantly. The line sucks. There's no question about that. But if the line was better, he'd be better because it just takes him a little bit longer. That's nothing. It's it's just the way it goes. Like Eli Manning didn't have a a tenth of the the athleticism. I don't know. I'm saying Jones is athletic, but he couldn't move like Daniel Jones at all. But Eli was smart. Eli knew where to go with the ball. Eli could see everything. So he may have thrown his interceptions, sure, but Eli was confident in everything he did. Whether he threw an interception or not, okay, he got me that time. I'm going to get him this time. That was that was Eli. Yeah. I'm not sure Jones has that yet. I feel like when Jones makes a mistake, I feel like it rattles him, and then it spirals out of control, and I think that's what's happened to him this year. He made a couple mistakes in Dallas. They got behind early and. Just, that was yeah. kind of the end of it. His confidence to, got shaken. To put a bow on this, for me, I'm confident that Daniel Jones is replaceable. Okay. And when when, when you when you have a, a franchise quarterback, he's not replaceable. I don't feel he's a franchise quarterback. But to be fair, I feel that about 25 to 26 quarterbacks in the league are replaceable. And it's Daniel Jones' job not to give the Giants an opportunity to replace him. If he mm-hmm. does, they will. Sounds fair to me. By the way, spoiler alert, I'm supposed to be getting Eli Manning on my show. Again? I think it's, be I think it's I think it's next week. I'm not sure. I gotta go back and look at the email, but he was offered to me as part of one of those marketing deals he's doing. So always love having Eli on the show. He's a trip and a half. 
I I, I was like, awesome. you know, I, I actually wanted to see about getting him, you know, like for a live stream, but I, the timing doesn't sync up, unfortunately. So yeah. got to take him when I can get him. But I think that would be a cool guest if we could ever get him on. Eli That's would awesome. be a Yeah. But uh, anyway, all right. Next question we have is from Sublight77. What do you guys think happened in the Arizona game? Was that a real glimpse into the, what could be, or was that just freak because Arizona was so bad? Okay, I think you're talking about the second half. Um, I don't know how to answer that. I mean, I, I think that's how they what could have been. Yeah. Um. Arizona wasn't exactly a great team, um, but I don't know. That, that That's a tough one for me to answer. I think it was maybe a little bit of both. Yeah, I, I mean, definitely you got to factor in Arizona. Arizona's awful. That's a team that right now is the first pick in the NFL draft, I think, or second. Um, so they're not a good football team. So that definitely played a factor. But I think it was also Daniel Jones going out there and just, just slinging it, not thinking, reacting. Um, and, and I think that had something to do with it as well. But of course the defensive opponent plays a large factor into that. The offensive line gave him the time that was necessary to be able to throw the ball down the field and feel confident his wide receivers, uh, in order to extend plays. Unfortunately, the giants, the other weeks went up against the 49ers, great pass rush, the Cowboys, great pass rush, the Dolphins, a team that you fell behind a ton and you, you know, you can't, you can't have a predictable offense after that. So it was really the one time where he had a real opportunity to go out there and sling the rock and feel confident doing it. But yeah, I guess that was what we were not obviously week to week, but we were expecting to see that more, I guess, frequently than we've seen in the past, what we saw in that Arizona game. And I still think this offense, if they're healthy can be that against poor opponents. But the disheartening thing for me was I was hoping that we would see that against strong opponents this year, not every week, but I would a little bit, and I don't feel confident at all that this team could have a functional offense against a very good defense at all this year. Uh, the way I look at it is this. I, I like to do this with any player, any sport, whatever. Take away their best performance, throw it out. Take away their worst performance, throw it out. It's somewhere in between. Yeah. You take away their best performance, this is a very bad offense. Yeah. Because outside of those two quarters, where's it, where is it? The worst in the league. Not, it's not existent. Yeah. We're the worst in the league with those take two. Take the Cowboys game out of it and take the Cardinals game out of it. And there, yeah. there's your team, the Seattle Seahawks. Like that's it. You know, the Miami Dolphins. That that's that's our offense. It's 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 not good. I mm-hmm. I definitely think this. I expect a lot more of this offense. And injuries have definitely played a part in this. Let's not get it twisted. They have, mm-hmm. but I don't think that what you saw in the second half of that Arizona game is what you're going to get on a consistent basis from the New York Giants. I think you could get the running game that they had against the Jets. I think that could be consistent against anybody. And I think that the offense can throw the ball a little bit more. I definitely think this is a team. Chris and I were talking about this at the beginning of the year where we thought this team could average 25, 26 points a game, not going to average 30. Why would we don't maybe 24, 25 points a game. I think they're good enough to do that when they're healthy um, against lesser opponents going into the year. I thought even against teams like Dallas, they would be competitive and move the ball. That just hasn't happened. So there's just so many interchangeable parts. The line has been a rotating door that we've had three quarterbacks. Now Barkley's been out, you know, we can't feel the punt to save our life. Uh, You know, the most reliable kicker in the NFL is missing field goals. Now he's injured. 
So there's just a lot of there's this, been a this, lot this, of this, this is one of those years. Bad year. Year. It's no. a bad year. Yeah. Now that that kind of plays off this next one by Charlton Harley. You got, do you guys think the Giant fans' expectations were not realistic? Charlton, in the spirit of who the Giants are playing this weekend, I think I look at this season, and not just from the fans, but from the media perspective, I look at it as we were all sitting at one of the one-armed bandits that you find in any casino, and we were winning, you know, a couple bucks here, a couple bucks here. Oh, we had a big pot come out here, and we kept feeding the money into the machine, and then ultimately the one-armed bandits started to uh, – Take our money, and reality set in that oh, we weren't beating the house. The house was the house was beating us. And I mentioned earlier in the show, I said the Giants had a lot of close games that they won last year, which I think fueled a lot of us to think, wow, they're better than what they maybe really were in reality. And I think you know, again, Golik Jr. made this this point on my show earlier in the week. That is not a sustainable way to win. You know, a team is good when they start scoring and winning by more than a, uh, one score. The mm. Giants, how many games last year did they win? And it was like seven points or less. There were a little too many. So I think that's what caused a lot of people to be optimistic. That and the fact that how many years before that did we have lousy, lousy. football? We have to go back to 2016 when we had a decent team. And so, the ironic thing is, Patty, same thing. Won a lot of close games against a lot of bad teams. Same, mm-hmm. same thing in 2016. It was the same thing. And yep. 2017 was the same thing as this year. Yeah. Total disaster riddled with injuries. Yeah. Yep. I, 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 here's what I'll say to that question. Obviously, now, hindsight 2020, getting to see what happened, of course. But what I'll say is, I don't think any fan going into the year expected this team to be a Super Bowl contender or any realistic right. fan. And I don't think any fan going into the year expected Graham Gano to, to get hurt, Andrew Thomas to get hurt. When you when you talk about your team's expectations preseason, you're talking about expecting the team to stay relatively healthy. You can't predict injuries in the NFL. Um, last year, we were able to avoid it in, in terms of our biggest, most important players. Andrew Thomas didn't get hurt. Daniel Jones didn't get hurt. Saquon Barkley didn't get hurt. Uh, Graham Gano was one of the best kickers in the league. This year, our most important players have gotten hurt. You can't predict that going into the year. And to be fair, before the year started, how could you not? Maybe you're scared to do it as a fan, and I understand it, because how bad this team has been uh, in terms of a consistent aspect. Like, every once in a while, they'll give us a year like last year, and then they go right back to the to the bottom, which is what we've done again this year. So I understand it from that standpoint. But how could you not have had more confidence in this team off of last year? A team that went 9-6-1 and one in the regular season when Daniel Jones was the starter, they were 9-6-1 and one when Daniel Jones started as the quarterback last year. I understand against the softer schedule, but they still had some impressive wins. You beat Baltimore. You beat the Packers. You beat the Titans on the road to start the year. Let's not act like they didn't have any impressive wins last year. They won a playoff game. Dable showed signs of being a really strong head coach. I don't think it was crazy to think the Giants should have won nine games before the year started if you were going based off the basis that our key players are going to stay healthy. They haven't. And the coaching hasn't been as good as it was the year before. It is what it is. Mm-hmm. I completely agree. You also saw your quarterback take a major step up to the point that they gave him a new contract. Yeah. You added Darren Waller. Mm-hmm. You drafted Jalen Hyatt. You drafted a center that a lot of Giants fans would have taken in the first round, and we would have been happy with JMS in the first round. Just anything to increase the offensive line. You added a Paris Campbell. You're saying second year in a system. 
You know, you you figured Evan Neal would get better. That didn't happen. Um, Thibodeau did get better, which which certainly helps. But you 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 didn't expect Micah McFadden to be as good. At least I didn't expect him to be as good as he is. You thought Okereke would certainly help the defense out. But offensively, you looked at it and you, you figured it was going to be better because we drafted Deontay Banks. Trey Hawkins looked like a million dollars in training camp. Thibodeau was going to be yeah. defensive tackle in the league. Changed my mind. You know, you have Okereke, and you're thinking to yourself, the defense will be fine. The offense is not better. We have a tougher schedule. Nine wins is possible. You're looking at, yeah, we'll beat the Commanders twice. I thought we could beat Dallas once. Not close. I said we could beat Seattle. They're flying to our, they're flying across to us this time. We should beat Arizona. We should beat New Orleans. We should beat, you know, the Packers with Jordan Love. There's all we should beat the Patriots. I felt like we should beat the Jets. There, there, there was a lot of teams I felt like we should win. The Eagles, no. Uh, mm-hmm. Cowboys, once. Bills, no. Dolphins, no. I didn't have us winning those games. I don't think winning nine, you know, being nine and eight was unrealistic. Uh, coming off last year and seeing what they did uh, at the beginning of this year, you know, in the offseason, it just didn't work out the way we thought it would. There yeah, was a and- fans that thought yesterday last year was fool's gold. I give them credit, you know. Maybe it was fool's gold. I don't want to see it because I was just so happy that they were competitive again. I, I just I wanted to believe. I mean, and, and and let's be honest, the difference between five and nine wins in the NFL is so thin, so thin yeah. that last year's team could have easily won five or six games. If that field yep. goal goes in for the Titans, you could point to several other avenues. This team could easily have five wins or four wins if 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 a couple things went our way. So the it's impossible to predict how a team is going to do before the the year starts. If you predict it pr- correct. You got lucky. Uh, that's that's just the nature of the NFL. It's it's it is literally a game of inches. And the difference between a five win team and a nine win team is the team that does the the small things right. And last year we did that for the most part. This year we haven't. Yeah. Now I I'm looking for the question. I saw somebody ask about the field goal kickers. Why did the Giants sign two field goal kickers? So they have Randy Bullock on the practice squad, and the uh, Cade York they added to the 53 man roster. I don't understand that move either. The only thing I can think of is that they wanted York and I guess maybe they weren't sure if they were going to get him in time, whereas they had Bullock in and, and Bullock was, you know, agreeable to, to join, but, you know, to carry two kickers like that, you know, one's an experienced guy, one's not, I, I don't know. I, I, that's another one of the head scratching moves that I don't get. And there's been a few that I don't get as far as the roster construction of this team. So, uh, but that's, that's my take on that. There is a question that I want to ask you guys, because this, this one is something I've kind of been kicking around and it would not surprise me at the end of the year, if Mike Kafka leaves, whether he, you know, take that, he takes the coaching job at Northwestern. If that does happen, how pro or against would you be Brian Dable calling the plays? Yeah. Um, I think if Daniel Jones is the starter next year and we don't draft the quarterback, unless Kafka leaves, he'll be back. I think if we draft the quarterback, Kafka's gone. That's that's what that's my outlook. That's what I think is going to happen. Because there's no reason to keep Kafka around at that point, and he's the guy that'll fall on the sword. Um, Dable, I have always expected to take over as the play caller once Kafka left, whether it was due to being fired or whether it was due to being a, getting a job. So I'd be comfortable with it. The guy was one of the best play callers in football. There's tons of guys that have been really good head coaches that have 
taken on play call responsibilities and have done a very good job. So he's one of the better ones in the league. So I don't think we'd miss a beat if, uh, they, you know, not that we have a beat right now. But I don't but think we'd miss a beat if Dable was the uh, the offensive call, uh, play yeah, coordinator. Yeah, I mean, normally I'm not in favor of a head coach calling the plays one way or another. In this case, however, you've got an experienced defensive coordinator in Wink Martindale, so you don't need to hold his hand. You let him do what he needs to do. Special teams, I'm not sure what's going to become with Thomas McGahee. I don't mm-hmm. know if they keep him or if they move on from him. But, in the, you know, assuming they keep him, He's experienced. I know a lot of people aren't crazy about the job he's done, but for me, if Dable ends up calling the plays, I don't know that I would have a problem with that, to be honest with you. You know, you know this, this isn't like, you know, when McAdoo was calling the plays and, and being the head coach or when Shermer was calling the plays and being the head coach. You know, that to me, it's a little different. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. Um, like you just said, mention Patty, he doesn't have to worry about the defense. Wink yeah. is a very experienced defense coordinator. He gets worried about the offense. He, he doesn't need to tell Wink what to do. He doesn't need to really have – he has to have input on it, but you can trust Wink to run the game the way Wink wants to run the game. You know what he's going to do anyway. So, yeah, I think if Brian Dable concentrated on calling plays, I have no problem uh, with that whatsoever. And maybe it's better for him to call plays. Um who knows? What I, what I do know is we have nothing to lose at this point. Yeah, he can't he can't be worse um, than we are now. So I don't have an issue because who, who else are they going to bring in? Yeah. You know, offensive coordinators they have something to do with it. I, I'm curious myself. You know, I know. Look at the Chiefs; they lost Eric Bieniemy. And Andy Reid's a great head coach, but Pat Mahomes ain't as good as he's been. He's still great. I mean, don't get me wrong. That Chiefs offense is not what it's been the last few years of the enemy calling the plays there. That's an offensive coordinator that I think they miss. Our offense stinks. So yeah. it doesn't matter what like when Kafka left there, their their offense didn't miss a beat. When the enemy left there, it made a big difference. So what a different guy in, in Mahomes' head. And so it makes sense. Yeah, it makes yeah, sense. That's what I mean. So yeah. Kafka leaving here, I, I don't think that matters. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, Patty brought up a really good point about Wink being the D.C. and a guy that you could trust. It, it reminds me a lot of the 49ers situation when Kyle Shanahan is calling the plays. You had Robert Sala, one of the best D.C.s in the league, and then you had the guy that replaced him who got a head coaching job, one of the best D.C.s in the league, uh, the guy that's coaching the uh, the uh, Texans now, D'Amico Ryans. Yeah. So they, they had really good defensive coordinators. They trusted that side of the ball, and the head coach focused mainly on the offense. So I think the Giants have a very similar situation to that not from a talent standpoint, but having a, a guy with credentials that could coach up the defense. So I think I, I think it'd be fine. We'd be fine. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right, uh, Sean Jackson asks, what's your prediction of Daniel Jones' stats if he plays these next nine games? Sean, I'm not into making predictions that far down the line because you just don't know how the game's going to go. You know, are they going to run Saquon Barkley primarily and win, or are they going to have to throw from behind? I mean, that's just such a tough question to answer. Um, and then you say, will he ball out with the pressure of a new quarterback being drafted? I mean, we don't know that that's what they're going to do. Um, you know, to me, Sean, the question to ask is, will he make it through these next nine games? You know, will he, God forbid, take another hit? And now that neck injury comes back and, you know, is he going to be shelved again? That's the question I think we need to be worrying about more so than the stats because the game can go any way, you know, and it's just so hard to predict. So I'm not trying to, you know, be flippant here, but 
I'd be more concerned about will Jones make it through these next nine games. Yeah, I'm not throwing out any stat predictions for Daniel Jones. Every time I do, he burns me, so I'm not doing it. Um, most important stat for Daniel Jones is he's got to go five and four or better. That's it. Team's got to go five and four or better. Team can't have a top five or six pick. Otherwise, you're we're going to be drafting your replacement. That's yeah. the most yeah. important stat. Touchdowns don't mean much. Team's got to go five and four in the last nine games. Yep, and if he gets hurt again, it, no. that's the other thing. I, I think health is most important for Daniel Jones. Absolutely. He's got to get through this season healthy. He can't. Because like Patty mentioned in the beginning, if he has another neck injury, that could be the end of his career. I mean, you can't not mess around that. David Wilson, like I said earlier, he had a neck problem, and that was it. David Wilson was ultra-talented, never never got a chance because he dealt with some fumble problems early on, but then he had that neck injury, and he and then he got it again, and then that was that was the end of it. That was the end yeah, of it. Yeah, absolutely. can't mess around with a neck. So it's, it's touch and go with Jones, and – a lot of that's going to be on the offensive line, but it's also going to be up to Jones to get rid of that damn football so he's not taking those hits. Yeah, and he can't uh, lose those games. He can't lose those games. No, they lose this sure. game. You can, yeah. you can. There's not many other teams you can beat because the Raiders are going through wholesale changes right now. They're not a good team anyway. Yeah. If you can't beat this team when you're getting your left, hopefully get your left tackle back, quarterback, and you have your running back, um, and your defense is playing, you know, some of the. Some of the best ball in the NFL right now. I think the Giants' defense is playing really well. Who are you beating? Right. Yeah. Who are you beating at that point? The Patriots, maybe? All right. Here's a good one from Michael. Considering this year is more along the lines of what we expected last year to be, do you think next year we could see the growth we were hoping for this year? Gosh, I hope so. Because yeah. if we don't, then what are they doing, man? I mean, if we don't see the growth... Now, granted, injuries were a problem this year. They've been, I feel like I say that every year, but this year more so because, you know, you look at the key guys they lost. So that's something they really got to improve in addition to the roster. You know, you can have the best roster in the NFL, but if you're not fixing your stretching or your, your sports science department, then what good is it? What good is it to have all these fancy new toys if you can't keep them on the field? The other thing that was kind of weird, and I know, you know, listen, disclaimer, I was happy when they traded for Waller. But in retrospect, you know, one of the things I know we, we criticized Dave Gettleman for in this last year was why was he going against his, his philosophy of injured guys are going to get injured. So you stay away from them and you go for guys who basically have cleaner health histories. But yet the Giants went and did that with Waller, taking the chance with him. And then, you know, here's the other thing, guys. If you remember back in the in week one when Waller showed up on the injury report, remember how I think it was Dable who said, oh, we plan to give him a, a veteran's rest day or, or something, something to that effect. I don't want to misquote right, right. him, but, but remember he said something to that effect? And then, oh, by the way, Waller came off the injury report and did he get his veteran rest day? Mm -mm. So what exactly was going on there with that? I, I never quite understood that. Did you? Yeah, there's been a lot of a lot of those this year, Patty. A lot, a lot of just head scratchers. What's going on? Very, you know, just they're elusive with every all the answers or all the questions. They don't they don't really give us much of anything. So we were really left in the dark, and it's it's impossible to tell exactly what the hell is going on here. And sometimes I think to myself, do they even know what's going on? Because you look at the product in the field, and all year it's like there's seems like there's a lot of confusion. So 
I don't know what happened. As far as the growth goes, you would hope so from the rookies and your second-year players. There's going to be a lot of change in this team next year, though. A lot of guys in one-year contracts, a lot of guys that are free agents, they're not going to be here. I can't see Shepard coming back here. I like Slayton, but I don't think he's worth $7.75 million. You save $6 million by getting rid of him. I think he's gone. Paris Campbell's obviously not coming back here. I have a feeling X is not coming back here. Ashawn's a one-year deal. I don't know what they're going to do with him. So you you got a lot of turnover coming. Um, and that's why I'm, I have to give these guys a chance because you're going to usher the Gettleman guys out. And now next year, you're really going to see a team that's built by Joe Shane I, because yeah. you're going to have more cap flexibility, 50, $55 million, way more than he's had. Mm-hmm. They're walking the tightrope every year since he's been here. They, they're readjusting contracts. They're cutting guys, they're moving guys up and down. And they're trying to find money any way they can to field the team. So I think next year he'll have a lot more leniency with with the free agents and and everything else. So I think we'll get a better look at what Shane's vision is in 2024. But uh, this year sucks. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right. This question from McWell uh, Centron. How do you think, I don't know what that icon is, Storm? Is that a Storm Club? With the sample platter of John Michael Schmitz is doing, I have no idea what that icon is. Basically, I think it's just to think that. Yeah, I put it have to think twice. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. Well, anyway, how do you think uh, John Michael Schmitz has been doing? I like Schmitz's game. I mean, he's a rookie. There's there's still some things he still needs to clean up. There's things that he'll tell you he needs to clean up. But I'm encouraged by what I've seen from John Michael Schmitz. I don't think he's the problem. He's a rookie, like you said. Like I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna have sky high expectations. And he's, a, I expect next year, next year, like this year, the pressure gets turned up on him. But yeah, I haven't seen games where he's like really stood out in a, a big time negative light. He missed some time, um, but I think Smith will be good. I don't know. I don't think he'll be a great center, but that's we don't need a great center. We need a good center. You need I think a solid could, center. Yeah, I think he could be that, and I think he will be that. You just gotta yeah, stay healthy. Yeah, he could be a Sean O'Hara. I would take that. Oh, absolutely yeah. absolutely <laughs> yeah 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 i would definitely take in a that. second in a second now somebody asked about injuries uh, you know and why the giants are so secretive there's a fine line i think Daples walking you know again he doesn't want to go out and give the exact you know down to the last minute detail about you know injuries but that being said i find you know some of this this uh this spy games that he plays be almost like an insult to my intelligence so for example you know don't tell me oh tyrod's got ribs and we'll see how he comes through or anything like that or we'll see what the doctor says hey i know tyrod had that injury a few years ago remember he had that rib injury and the doctor gave him an injection and it punctured his lung accidentally Mm. sometimes you got to use common sense here and and i think in cases where common sense can be applied you know good no that's another good example Mm-hmm. Saying, oh, you know, he's fine. He's going to be okay. Uh, no, he's not, coach. So just little things like that. And that's one of the things. And I know Dable's trying to, to walk a fine line. I get that. And you don't have to, you know, say, oh, you know, Gano has a, a torn meniscus or an ACL. You, you don't have to get that specific. But don't sit there and say, oh, you know, he's going to be fine or we'll see how he comes through or or whatnot. He knows who's, you know, it's funny. He, I think he knows 
before he addresses the media, who's going to be in and who's going to be out. Mm. So, you know, you talk about competitive advantage, I guess, you know, it's the same thing with the kicker. It's like, okay, you know, is it going to be Bullock or is it going to be York? Oh, we got to work through some things and see who kicks better. You don't think the rest of the league has some film on these guys? So, I mean, how much of a competitive advantage can you really gain by playing some of these, you know, these personnel games that Gable seems to like to try and play? I don't hate him for it. I I I, I agree with you. I I think it's it's not it do, it's not that big of a deal. But I don't hate him for it. It's games play. The kicker's ridiculous. Uh, but in terms of the quarterback, I, I I actually like having a coach that doesn't give away um, any kind of secrets before the game starts. But I agree with you. Use common sense. You could tell more often than not. We all knew that Daniel Jones wasn't going to play the last couple of weeks. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't blame him for that. I, I, I actually like that I have a coach like that. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. I mean, just, just certain things. Again, I don't need. If I was in your with... shoes, I would hate it. What's that? <laughs> If I was in your shoes, I would hate it. If I had to I be mean, the media, look, I understand to yeah. to a degree. I I really do. I understand that you don't want to, you know, spill your guts about the yeah. last gory detail of a guy's injury. But don't sit there and tell me Daniel Jones is going to, you know, there's a chance he's going to play when he hasn't been cleared for contact and he hasn't been able to take his full reps. Yeah, you know, at some point you got to say, okay, these people are smart enough to put two and two together and figure stuff out. I guess that's what kind of irks me a little bit. Yeah, you know, I, I it, you know, just that's just me. Maybe I'm just being cranky because it's it's getting late, <laughs> but just you know, my thoughts on that. All right, uh, let's see if we have some other questions. Some people are saying um, H five thousand, for example, shut Andrew Thomas down immediately if he has any problems Sunday. Um, you know, the, the hard thing about that H5000 is, is that you ask any player, uh, you know, how he's feeling and he's going to tell you he feels fine. Even if he's playing on one leg, Andrew Thomas is no exception. And if they didn't shut him down right away after he strained his hamstring, chasing down that block field goal, what makes you think they would do it again? Yeah. That's what they do. I, they just yeah, if they can go out there, they they do it. They don't want to sit out. It's instilled in their brains. They're warriors. Yes, they're competitors. They don't they don't yeah. want to sit on the bench. No, they don't, they don't want to sit out. Definitely not. Yeah. All right. We'll take a few more and then we'll call it a show. Um, Sean Jackson, you don't sound confident that DJ will survive the next nine games. Sean, I don't think the odds are in his favor. No, I don't either. You know, it's Dallas after the Raiders. I mean, we saw what Dallas did to him, and this is in Dallas. Play the Eagles twice. Yeah, I'm just more worried worried about him getting out of Dallas. That's what I'm concerned about, too. So, I mean, look, I hope I'm wrong. I, 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 again, from a human perspective, I don't want to see Daniel Jones's neck hurt. I don't want to see any guy get hurt, but it happens. And the history is not on his side. The odds are not on his side. So, you know, that's why I'm I'm wondering if he makes it through the next nine games. Now, again, you're getting back Andrew Thomas, hopefully this week. Hopefully you're getting back Evan Neal. You've got John Michael Schmitz back. So your offensive line should be a little bit better. But remember, Daniel got bounced around like a pinball week one against Dallas with his starting offensive line. Yeah. So you never know who has a bad game, who gets hurt, 
you know, you just don't know. Well, it takes one hit too, you know. It takes it takes one hit. And that's it. And mm-hmm. so yeah. it's it's you know, and again, it's a neck. <laughs> it's yep. It's not don't a hamstring. Around it, with the neck. Something you serious. Do not screw around with that. I don't. I just they haven't been able to protect him all year. He's taken a lot of hits, and I just don't. I don't see how they're going to be able to just all of a sudden figure this out and protect him without him getting hit eight times. He's he gonna, might not get sack eight times, but he's going to get hit a bunch. Yeah, and that's all that matters. No, sack is just a stat, and they lose yards. But the quarterback hits; those are the ones that are going to take a toll on him. So I'm not yeah. confident. I hope he does. I'd love to see him survive the year. I just, I, I don't think it's happening. All right, Fabian says Dable is a genius, keeps you guessing, prevents you from spilling the beans. Fabian, uh, you're selling me short, my friend. I'm a little bit smarter than that. I can figure stuff out and be correct. Now, some things I also catch wind of, and there are some things that, you know, I see. So, you know, certain things I do have to guess on. You know, when John Michael Schmitz was doing with the shoulder, I had no idea what was going on there. All I could base, you know, my opinions on was, Okay, he's walking around the locker room. He doesn't have any apparatus on his shoulder. He's able to reach his arms up. So I can pick stuff up uh, despite what the coach is saying. So I get it. I get it. But, you know, give us a little bit of credit. Those of us who get into the locker room and we see and talk to people and, you know, give Art Stapleton credit for getting Gano to spill the beans about needing surgery. All right. So Dable, I understand what he's trying to do, but. This stuff eventually does come out one way or another, whether we see it, whether we're told it, or we put two and two together. So it is what it is. So, um, all right. BJ Ticho asks, when did the Giants celebrate 100 years? Isn't it coming up like next 2025. year? 2025. Yeah, they started in 1925. 19, so it'll be 2025. So what, a couple oh, okay. years. All right. That'll so, be yeah. anniversary yeah. of them. So, yeah. Yeah. My, grand, my grandfather had been watching them ever since their inception. So maybe win the Super Bowl. That'd be nice. That'd, that'd that would be, be nice. That would definitely be nice. Uh, no, I, I, we're gonna have to. We're gonna have to wait a little bit on that because uh, <laughs> I told you the pattern cyclical. You know they they won when I was eleven, and then they won four years later, and then there was a seventeen year gap, and they won four years apart, yeah. and a seventeen year gap from twenty eleven to twenty twenty eight. Uh, my kid will be 11 and then they'll win in 2032. So there you go. 2028, 2032 giants win the super bowl. Cause that's, yeah. that's it's meant to be that way. It's meant to be. <laughs> so that's what we're going to win the super bowl 2028, but they're going to get good here soon by then because they were good when I was what, nine in 1984. So you got to just a couple years from my kid and we'll, They'll be back, ready to go. We'll start picking it. I'd, we'll like start picking more, I'd like them to go to one more Super Bowl before I have to retire. And I've got a few years before I have to retire, but you I'm will. getting there. Get close. Get close. All right. Amazing guy. I don't understand this question. Every field goal and punt is always blocked. What game are you watching? I don't see every field goal and every punt getting blocked. I think we've had one field goal blocked. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so what are you talking about? Well, I, know you, I know amazing guys. I, I think be- I think you meant to put almost blocked. As yeah. I thought he mentioned earlier. If it's almost blocked, here's what I see sometimes. I, sometimes I see 
The snap is a little on the slow side. You know, I think the snap could be a little quicker. Um, so that's a problem. Uh, you know, it's interesting. I asked Jamie Gillen about the um, the rugby style kick. I said, that just adds time to it, doesn't it? And he says, no, actually, it's the opposite. It actually speeds up the kick. But that being said, you know, if you've got pressure coming from the side that he's, you know, running to, to kick the ball from, I guess you could see why, you know, it would almost look like it's going to be blocked. So, um, so yeah, I, I, I just think they need to do a better job up front. But, you know, to me, I look at the snap and, and watch it next time. See if you, if you agree that the snap sometimes from the long snapper is a little on the slow side. It was a problem definitely last year, I thought. Mm. Yeah, because I think against the Jets, the, the last kick was almost blocked. The guy jumped over the line of scrimmage and was back there, and Gano shanked it. So, and yes, amazing guy did mean almost. I, I thought I saw him type in, or I thought I saw him type it in the chat earlier. That's why I I knew that. Okay, no, I because because when I saw that, I was like, "What are you talking yeah. about?" So, all right, uh, we'll take a couple more, and then we'll call it a show. Uh, WRX John, what do you think this team needs to become competitive? How long do you think it will take? And do you have faith in Dave's and Shane? When to the last, question, yeah, we'll to the last question, yes, I, I still have faith in them. What do they need to become competitive? Line pass line. offensive line, another pass rusher for sure. Um, a number one receiver, I think, will solve a lot of problems. Um, what else do you think, guys? Yeah, for me, it's the line. We're we're not talking about winning a Super Bowl. We're talking about being competitive. Uh, and when he means competitive, I think he means against good teams, not going into games against the Cowboys and being like, "This is an automatic L." Yeah, um, it's, it, it's the line. It, it, it's the line. Until until we have an average line, we're not going to be able to beat those. No matter who the quarterback is, no matter who the quarterback is, or we're, we're the offensive line. Teams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. All right, just real quick, a couple more. Who should start at right guard Sunday? It's probably going to be Glowinski. Um, he's been playing pretty well the last couple of weeks, so I can't really? imagine them making uh, making a change at this point. So um, I think it's going to be Glowinski. Uh, and I think, let's see, do we have pretty much everybody else? I think we, we, uh, we got most of them. If I missed any of your questions, as always, you can always drop them in the comment box and I can pick them up. Um, you know, when I look at the comments tomorrow or over the next few days. So um, I think that's it. Oh, John Moog saying the biggest problem with the O-line is, is the loser behind it. I guess you're not a Daniel Jones fan, huh? So. I mean, this is part of the problem. I mean, we, this is year five, okay? Uh, I know the offensive line hasn't been great, but it's it's year five. I, I understand people being done with him at this point. I, I, yeah, I get it. Yeah, I get it too. I get it. He's a big part of it. I mean, he ain't good this year. I can tell you that. Yeah. Not at all. All no right. Line, no line. Andrew Thomas. No Andrew Thomas. Whatever the hell it is, he ain't been good. We'll just put it that way. Exactly. All right. Brandon Swan reminded me. Did you guys do scores? So let's do our predictions, and then we'll wrap things up. Who wants to go first? Twenty-four. I actually think we put some points on the board this week. Twenty-four. 14 Giants. I think we have a pretty convincing win against the Raiders, and I never predict that. 24-14 Giants. I think we win, and we win somewhat convincingly. Nothing convincing about the Giants. <laughs> <laughs> I'm convinced it'll be a close game. 
Yeah. Um, but I do think the Giants win. I'm going to give a 17-14. I think the offense does just enough. I think the defense holds them off, does their thing. I think the Raiders get a cheap touchdown at the end because nothing ever, nothing's ever easy. So I think we'll be up like 17-7, you know, or 17-10, whatever, something like that. Um, you know, with about I shouldn't say 17, though. We'll be up like 17 to 7 with about four minutes to go. Raiders will go down, bing, 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 bing. They'll score a touchdown. We'll be 17 14, and then we'll have to survive an onside kick or something. Or the Raiders will have three timeouts, and we'll go three and out. They'll use the timeouts to kick the ball back to them, and then we got to hold our breath. That's kind yeah. of the way I think. But I think we're winning the game. I do. I think it's close. I think we went 17 14. All right. I already posted my score prediction on my Instagram account. So I'm on record. My Instagram account is at Patty Traina, P-A-T-T-I-T-R-A-I-N-A. I said, I don't know if you guys could see it, 23-13. Whoa, Giants. we're pretty close this week, Patty. 23-13. You got 23-13, I got 24-14, so 10 points. We, we agree. All right, we'll see. We will see how it plays <laughs> out. Hopefully, we will have a win so that come next week, we'll have something positive to talk about before our hearts get broken again against the Dallas Cowboys. Dog, they got to beat the Cowboys one of these days. I mean, not soon. <laughs> I'm sorry, Pat. I got no, I got no confidence. In those even, even. I know, I Dallas. know. I just don't. I. It's unfortunate. Um, the beginning of the year, I, I feel was bad for you. I mean, I, I you know, I watch your videos. Right. No, it's you know, I was, uh, I, I did a um, live stream with other drawings content creator, Cop his last night, and we were talking about that. How you know it's bad. You know it's bad when you have Eagle fans and Cowboys fans coming into my stream or commenting on my videos going, I feel bad for you, dog. Like when when they're when when you're when people that hate the Giants wow out of the way to say dog, I, I really feel for you, man. You know, I don't like a team, but I feel bad for you. You know, you know it's bad. Because they want they they feel so bad for you, they can't even kick him while you're down. Like this guy's taking a beating this year. I can't even I feel bad for him. Like I can't kick him anymore. I mean, the guy's dead down here. What am I doing? Yeah. It's been a bad year. But we can we can I feel for you, dog. I, I see your rants. I see your rants afterwards. And you know, my my husband sits dirty goes, Boy, I feel bad for that guy. I'm like, hey. yeah. Uh, I mean, different. some of them are funny. I, I'm not gonna lie. Some of some of some of your rants can be funny, but hey, I also feel for you. Part of it, I try to. I again, I never plan things. It just, I don't. There's no script. You speak from the heart. That's what we right. love about and, you. But I do try to throw some jokes in there to try to make people laugh because it's so <laughs> big. Like the one year he said, Joe Judge in 2021 gave me some of the best content I've ever had. The toilet paper playbook. The paper bag on my head when I imitated him at a press conference. When I came up with you on laps, Joe, those type of things. I had the best. I had the best things ever that year. Oh, that's um, I really had a disdain for Joe. I don't have that disdain for Dable, but I certainly will criticize. I, I gave him hell last week because I felt like he totally uh, mismanaged. Oh, well, that was not one of the best that well. I, I was not happy with him last week. Yeah. Well, hopefully this weekend will be better. Hopefully, like I said, we'll have a win to talk about next week, as well as some more positive stuff. Fingers crossed. So, guys, thank you, as always, for joining me. Everybody who came uh, on the stream tonight, thank you for joining us. Keep it here on the Locked on Giants podcast all next week. Going to have new shows. Um, new, uh, And I'm hopefully going to have uh, some interviews 
And let me see. I think that Eli Manning interview might be next week. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if it's next week or the week after, but I'm supposed to be getting Eli, fingers crossed, uh, that that happens. And I'm also working on another player interview. This is more of a current player interview. Um, I'm not sure when that's going to happen. So I don't want to say who in case it doesn't pan out, but always working to get you a variety of different um, people here on Locked On, as well as giving you my own opinion. So I'd love to see Dexter Lawrence, Patty. I would love to get sexy Dexy on here. He'd be a trip. He would be he's, good. He's he great. You guys see the, the trash talk of it? Like his mic'd up against the Jets? Oh, I missed that one. I, last hilarious. Year I he said, I thought hilarious. you were supposed to be I he thought was you get me. I was just like, he is a funny dude, Dexter. Yeah. Love him. So anyway, thank you, everybody. Be sure to check out Tana's channel, Dog's channel, and of course, Locked On Giants. We will see you next week, and I'll see you on Monday. Hopefully, with a happy recap. Have a great weekend, everybody. Peace. Have a good night.